Hello there, kind listeners and friends. I'm here to tell you to stick around to the end of the episode to hear about what will happen in the off-season. As a preview, we're going to talk about books and stories such as The Shadow of Rinsmith, Uzumaki, Souls of Darkness, At the Mountains of Madness, movies like The Thing, The Labyrinth, games like Shadow Tower, Titan Souls, Shadow Tower Abyss. We'll put those in the right order and configuration at the end, but that's just, you know, a preview. This has been a fantastic season. We're so grateful that everybody has listened and responded as kindly as you have. And boy, we're looking forward to uh, the future of the show here as we round out the Dark Souls series and, you know, get to whatever is next, whatever that may be. So yeah, enjoy the episode and uh, stick around to hear what's coming up. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. Cursed Athenes, their children too. And their children forever true. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And I'm Lobos Jr. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a blasphemous sinful uh you know just just a terrible terrible favorite gary you're reading the marketing copy from our chocolate (laughs) blasphemous and terrible chocolates yes so sinfully sinfully decadent this is a podcast that has committed crimes against indigenous people (laughs) yes and of course we are talking about the final area of the dlc the fishing hamlet and kind of doing some cleanup on the old hunters and on bloodborne in general and uh as you heard, we're joined by Lobos Jr., uh, a notable streamer on Twitch. Uh, we talk about him a lot. We bring him up as the patience elemental himself for the challenge runs. Hey, Lobos, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Hi. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Thank you for, for having me. me. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, this is one of our. Uh, we've we've had uh, had you on before, and one of our one of our favorite guests. So thank you mm-hmm. uh, for coming back. Not a problem. Anytime. Can, can you uh, speak for anybody who maybe doesn't know, um, kind of uh, speak a little bit to uh, your relationship with the Souls games and, and what you what you do? Absolutely. Well, my first encounter was with Dark Souls 1. Actually, going before that, Demon Souls, I picked up for a brief moment and then decided it was the worst game ever and put it down <laughs> for, after about an hour of playing it and dying to the Red-Eyed Knight in Boletaria Palace. And uh, I said, no, this... This game's dumb. But I can't fast forward two years later, and my friends <laughs> decided to show me Dark Souls One and like sit with me while I played through it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Um, and then, of course, I fell in love with it after continuing to play and kind of learning. Oh, it's 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 harsh but fair. You know, everything <laughs> is very uh, up to you, and all, everything is based on your actions. Um, so after that, I of course played all the. Uh, subsequent games bloodborne dark souls 2 and uh, i got accustomed to taking this game which is known to be very difficult and making it even more difficult uh <laughs> and go figure people like to watch that so i kept <laughs> doing that and i still do that to this day 
Yeah. If you've heard tell of somebody doing something that only a maniac would do, Lobos is probably the person who did it. In, in, in Dark Souls and Souls. Yeah, it's not, not like, a, you know, that guy who ate the other guy's face. <laughs> right. <Florida. Yeah. laughs> um, the, the, the cool thing about um, the, the mods and stuff and the challenge runs you do is that they're, uh, I think they're really creative. Like, um, you know, Dark Souls does have kind of a built-in challenge run uh, mentality with like soul level mm-hmm. run runs and stuff but uh you know you kind of go through and, and find uh you know weird mods and stuff i remember watching um yeah. dark souls 2 i think it was with like the limbo mod <laughs> the limbo uh, mod is cool yeah yeah where it just it just turns up the the contrast and everything is, is dark and shadowy things like that <laughs> um little things that, that you wouldn't think of um i when you were talking about uh, getting into dark souls i just made me think of this uh was that when you got into it was it before you started doing stuff on youtube and, and twitch um, I had been streaming on Twitch, but the most of my content was speedrunning. So I got okay. into speedrunning. And actually, that was probably the first thing I did with Souls games was, well, I want to speedrun this now. So I started <laughs> speedrunning it, and then that got me a little bit better and more familiar with, I guess, just the entire world of Dark Souls 1. And then I was like, well, I mean, I'm pretty good at these fights now. I feel like I could do it with, you know, maybe just a shield. I think my first challenge runs were like fist weapon only and then shield only and bow only. And then it just <laughs> kind of went downhill from there, like <laughs> experience wise, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a, I was just thinking about how it would be fun to watch um, if it was on if it was on video the first time you played Dark Souls. <laughs> it's something that I associate with you just knowing inside and out. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, have, when your friends locked you in that room yeah i have two highlights and one highlight is fighting the gaping dragon for the first time mm-hmm. probably about a 30 minute fight and <laughs> he's got like five percent health left and one of my buddies who's watching with me is just like just go charge in there get him and i'm like all right cool so i charge at him right as he's like slamming down on the ground <laughs> i don't get killed I take some damage and I'm like, oh, ha ha, funny. And I just kind of keep mashing our right bumper. And then he just <laughs> steamrolls right through me and I die and face palm uh. everywhere. <laughs> the other highlight is actually my very first time stepping into Blight Town. I encountered the, the ogre enemies with the clubs mm-hmm. and tried to battle like the first one and took a lot of damage and used a lot of Estus. And then I said, yeah, forget this. And just started running, and then my friends were kind of chuckling, like, oh, you can't speed <laughs> through Blighttown. Like, what are you, you going to do? There's only down. And uh, I just kept dodging everything and happened to make it to the very first bonfire. And so oh, I just wow. kind of skipped all of that my first playthrough. Um, I figured and it out. Of course, I spent hours getting from that point on. But right. uh, but it was uh, it was kind of interesting. The, the uh, people who you know follow kind of souls uh, souls souls news and stuff on the web, and one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on for the DLC is that uh, recently a bunch of kind of sites picked up you going through all the DLC bosses with your bare hands mm-hmm. in in uh, Bloodborne, which is you know these these are among the hardest, if not the hardest, bosses in the game. And they're uh, so good. <laughs> yeah, they're they're really really good. We've been we've been talking a lot of sugar uh, these last couple episodes, and and that will continue this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, just hands because your hands. How do you uh, how do you make that work? Uh, for, uh, like I watched the runs, but for people yeah. who are who are listening, yeah. Um, so enemies that can be backstabbed, you can backstab them with a charged hand attack, bare mm-hmm. fist uh, attack, and then you can go in for uh, a backstab, and that deals damage based off of your skill level and like any gems you have equipped 
and uh, like slight uh, increase from your level is from the rest of your levels as well. Um, but w with fists, I pretty much sought to max out my strength and skill to get maximum benefit for that. Um, <laughs> and you can't do that on all the bosses, of course. So that still added on to the scaling damage from just my regular fist hits, mm -hmm. which got up to around a hundred. 20-ish. Uh, it depends on the on the boss that I was fighting, right. but um, anywhere from 70 to 120-ish damage, especially when a boss gets injured. Uh, mm -hmm. Just very low damage. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing, because um, you, you uh, also end up using uh, Beast Blood, right? Like, is oh, that, yeah, is that yeah. correct? Yeah. I, tr I tried that. Um, the thing is, with such long fights and not a very fast rate of attack with the fists, you have to be very careful about doing back-to-back -back hits too often because you'll get in trouble, use an extra blood vial, which might cost you way later down the line. Yeah. Um, so once I got more familiar with fights, I would start popping it on there, but just kind of playing as if I didn't have it on. I didn't want to get mm. more aggressive, right. um, but it did oh. add some damage in there for sure. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty they're, they're, it's worth watching. Like, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. As somebody who specifically with, with both the, the bosses we're covering in this episode, you know, I struggled <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. Um, um yeah so yeah we're super happy to have you and uh yeah i <laughs> um cool uh what did we do last time well previously we explored the research hall and we saw the depths of the church's depravity when it came to experimenting on people um prisoners and whatnot um and we also killed the poor prisoners warden lady maria of the astral clock tower and now it is time to step back in time to find out uh, kind of what's at the root of this? What was the original sin that inspired all of the madness that we've seen so far? Yes. Yep. <clears throat> Going to go back in time. Mm -hmm. um, after we we kill Maria, um, you know, we get this uh, celestial dial from the lamp. And, uh, you know, this lets us know that the clock tower itself was used to interpret the stars, not to mark the passage of time. Right. So it's not a, you know, it's a clock tower and uh, it's just a name. Mm -hmm. It's like John Clocktower, the guy who delivers my paper. <laughs> yeah, like, he does not keep time. It's, um, it's a memorial to John Clocktower. Yes. <laughs> of the New Hampshire Clocktowers. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that explains its strange performance. This is the Clocktower that we see in the promotional art for mm -hmm. uh, for the old hunters. And the hunter that we see kind of hunched over, that's Maria herself. But this mm -hmm. kind of has these uh, holes cut out of it so that it can align and show you where the different planets are and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Um, so after we walk up with this thing, the dials spin and, uh, the interior clock hands kind of align to assemble, resemble a hunter's mark. Yeah. It's like and, a peace sign a little bit. It, and it doesn't have the bottom stroke on the, um, on the outsides of the clock are different runes. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the bottom one lines up to the deep sea, uh, rune. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then the bottom hole starts glowing and we can step in to like a totally different biome. <laughs> like did, how did yeah. you guys, did you guys expect this? Like I, I was not expecting to uh enter into a marsh. I was personally kind of like, well, that was the DLC. That was fun. And then, <laughs> what? It's just going to be a whole void. <laughs> me, me too. I I when, very... when I saw the, the first guy, the first NPC who's non-aggressive, I thought it was like a coda. Like I mm -hmm. thought I was in an area that was not going to be based on gameplay or, or combat or anything. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, but you know, not the case. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love how surreal this is because as you step down, you look behind you and you see that the tower is like sunk into the water and like all yeah. around you, you can see this familiar sight of these ships masks kind of sticking out from the water itself. And it's like something out of like inception or like eternal sunshine, the spotless mind <laughs> Just this, this impossible, uh, kind of world geometry. Like oh, this yeah. is not how it should work. Yeah. Or something like out of uh, the iron keep. jackals so so mad at the elevator oh um we got a little bit of that shit today too yeah (laughs) um no so it's okay when bloodborne does it um it's a nightmare so piece together whatever it's dreamy weeny. Yeah, so so Dark Souls one had timey wimey. Dark Souls two had spacey wacy. Bloodborne is dreamy weeny. What is Dark Souls three going to be? Like, what are we going to use to hand wave? It's going to mm-hmm. depend on whatever like design thing only kind of makes sense, or whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever we have to use to patch over story stuff. You know, <laughs> I mean, that sounds dismissive, but like. Yeah. It's like, you know, I accept the dream you leave me. Whatever rhyming <laughs> nonsense we have to say to quiet the whales inside of our head. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yes, I love the surreality of this moment as you're like stepping down this ramp. Um, I did not expect it. I didn't expect it to end in such a humble yet sinister place because yeah. everything so far has been like, you know, we start out in the gutter and we're at the very top of kind of the world of Yarnum, right? And then we step out into something that is just in a different world entirely. And that's even underlined by the fact that it's raining here when it doesn't elsewhere. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's also uh, just kind of dingier and, and grosser in a way that uh, up until this point, we mm. had, there's a lot of kind of opulence, like specifically when you go into the astral clock tower, mm-hmm. um, like it's very beautiful and it looks like the statuary and everything like it looks like, you know, and, and when we were downstairs um, in kind of the church hospital, Mm-hmm. With the, mm-hmm. uh, the the really elaborate statues with the, the gems and, and kind of gold inlaid. The filigree. Yeah, you know, kind of things. And that contrast, especially once you actually find out what happens, mm-hmm. ends a weird kind of classism angle cool. <laughs> that I wasn't expecting. Easy now. We get in trouble for that kind of talk around these parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's, it's all right. It's, it's in the text. Like it's, <laughs> yep. It's in the game. Yeah. Um, like that is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it has that had that feeling to it. It's like, oh, this feels like um, like people ex- like experimenting on, you know, the like poor people in Appalachia or something like that. Mm. Yeah. To mm. me. Um, Definitely. Like this is this is the humble beginnings. And yes. I know I've used that word a lot, but it's just uh, it, it kind of underlines all of this underscores it rather. Um, yeah. Let's talk about this guy. Yeah, so you kind of walk up this path that is strewn with bodies, and there are these cairns around. Like, they couldn't find enough ways to mark uh, the resting places of people who were just kind of in the most shallow of graves. Um, <laughs> and there's this shambling, cloaked figure. We, we can't really see anything about him, but he is kind of pacing back and forth, and he is uttering just these incantations these curses right and this kind of could be seen as a little bit of the of the source of the rhymy wiminess of all of the dialogue that we've seen so far <laughs> the fact that everything is kind of set in these really basic couplets that's kind of the, the 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 cadence and meter that he uses as he as he mumbles quite obviously out of his mind yeah oh. and there's there's a lot of uh, kind of important information to this um we will get the more of the context a little bit later but the the main idea being that um you know he's laying a curse yeah. essentially on on somebody who you know has done something um to a child 
to a to a poor wizened child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a curse for and and the curse spans generations. Um, you know, it goes on for on on and on. You know, children and children's children and children's children, until he mentions uh, the sweet child of Kos, mm-hmm. uh, return to the ocean. Um, Kos, who is barely a footnote in the main <laughs> game, turns out to be yeah. so important here. Yeah. Um, you know, really, really surprised at that. Yeah. Um, one, one of my favorite phrases in the game is here, let the pungence of coasts cling like a mother's devotion. Because mm. so much mm. of what we've seen so far is kind of related to motherhood. And like this, again, is is, is at the root of it all. Yeah. Mm. Either you guys try to kill this guy? Immediately. <laughs> yeah. yes. First thing, I, I saw talking and I was like, uh, that might just be like introductory, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> you know, dialogue. <laughs> and I just attack them, but I don't think he does anything. Right? He just keeps walking. Yeah, he's a, he's immortal. Hmm. Yeah, he's a. You can actually knock him uh, using the beast door. You can knock him off the platform, and oh, he really? still lives down there. Yeah, he just walks <laughs> around down on the kill box. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No, I, I let him be. I tried to decide whether or not whether or not it would be a mercy killing. Yeah. And I ultimately yeah. decided it would not be. So. Yeah. I, I ultimately did on my way out, tried to kill him. Um, you know, I, I, here I, I let him be, but I, I, when I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be done with Bloodborne for a little bit. Let's see, you know, what I can do. Um, <laughs> did that. Uh, you can come back to this guy later after getting one of the two transformation runes we're going to talk about. Um, the Milkweed rune. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gives you kind of different dialogue, but he gives you a really important item, uh, lore-wise. Yeah, this is up there with one of the most important linchpin item descriptions of any of the items we've seen in any of the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this 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 is this is a smoking gun. It's a smoking <laughs> skull. Um, the accursed brew, uh, which is you know lets you they're, they're grenades. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, which is which is kind of cool from a gameplay perspective but the biggest thing is it this is a skull of one of these villagers that has been uh, has shows evidence of people literally scraping the inside of it looking for eyes yeah um yeah they have been trepanned like crazy and you yes. can see this it's uh it's kind of like the uh the skull lantern a little bit uh from mm-hmm. the previous game so like sure, you know, it's yeah. kind of wrapped up so you can carry it uh, really easily, but it's 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 filled with holes, and this even kind of repeats one of the one of the couplets that this uh, um, kind of befuddled villager says, which is, "They who offer baneful chance weep with them as in one as one in trance." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so just the idea that this horrible tragic thing is you know evidence, like it's what he's clinging to as as kind of part of his you know, ritual, right? He mm-hmm. only gives it to you if you if you use the milkweed, which we got last episode, which turns you into a into a lumen wood, which is associated with coasts and with uh kind of the the, the children, these parasites. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he mm-hmm. sees you as as a, 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 at least the way that I read it, you guys can disagree with me. Um he sees you as kind of an ally, like somebody who is coming, you know, to help bring some kind of reconciliation. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. If, if, if it's a village of people who worshipped this great one mm-hmm. and you kind of come through like of the stars and of the great ones yourself. Yeah. Right. You know, this is this is the alien transformation that you can you can become um, in the game. So, yeah, I think that's you kind of fool them that way. Like, jokes on you, sucker. I'm not going to knock you into a pit. The, um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, th- this item is really important. It's really easy to miss. Yeah. Um, you know, because you don't really have a reason to come back here. Uh, with the milkweed rune, uh, milkweed rune, and unless you're built for it, the milkweed rune, you know, it's it's not super powerful unless you have a very kind of specific build. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but 
but yeah so we let's head into the village yeah um down uh down fishman street i didn't notice um the uh the the fixture that was hanging next to the the, the lamp until it was pointed out the the hanging man yeah yeah there yeah, yeah. it was hung hung like a hunter symbol <laughs> yep my yep. uh uh except with one important difference uh the head is gone <laughs> yeah right yep yeah, um, but uh, my eyes kind of glossed over it. But that is, uh, uh, we have a response from Riff uh, from Video Games Hot Dog, which says it's probably the most effective way they could scream "Keep out." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like it, it, it'd be like if, uh, you know, we, you and I tried to go to a conference or something, <laughs> and then we we went in and there were just a bunch of podcasters with their heads removed, like oh, I recognize <laughs> the torso of Jesse Thorne. <laughs> It's Adam, Adam Carolla's chest with no head, you know, and, and we would just know like not to go in there because <laughs> YouTubers only. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. They call Did us you, Mikey's. Uh, <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's okay. Um, it takes a little while before you start running into enemies here too, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of the reason why I felt like uh, this was a non-aggressive area. But then you're introduced to these new enemies, these uh, these fishmen, these these Innsmouth. You know, twelfth level ends with brides. Um, they are fighting. Um, Mike, can you can you talk a little bit um, to uh, like your your first experience when you got into the the village, or how you kind of approached this, or what yeah. you're thinking? Yeah, uh, I believe you you go and you see a, an item and you pick it up, and I think it's some blood vials or something like that. And then immediately, like a fishman nearby, like kind of stands up from the water, and mm. um, <laughs> my immediate reaction was, "Oh, great, murlocs and." You know, <laughs> Deal with all these fishmen, um, and you just kind of fight the one at first, and then as you progress, you see that they're kind of littered throughout the the pathway, and um, they they yield, they are wielding spears, and uh, they they can toss them from a distance, and um, you know, kind of a different enemy type than I've come to expect from Bloodborne. Although there's there's not really a, a regular type that you can say, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that but it was interesting to see uh, a, certainly a watery area and kind of fish-based enemies around there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah they, they mix them up a lot yeah. uh, more mm-hmm. than they do in some other areas of bloodborne like a lot of times in bloodborne they'll have like one ranged attacker um but right. here you have the, the spears mixed with the dogs mixed with the fish mixed with the casters yeah a lot of times so it's like a much more complicated mix it's it's oh. kind of funny how the DLC does that. Like they use every part of the fish buffalo because um, <laughs> uh, all three areas have kind of this base template enemy that they mm-hmm. offer a bunch of variations on. So the nightmare yeah. has the old hunters, uh, the research hall has the patients, and then this has kind of these different flavors of fishmen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These slads <laughs> or or sagans. Um, like these these are all kinds of D and D enemies. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of around this. Oh, okay. Actually, I want to take this back. Why are they fishmen? I Be- think because they... the skull is human. Like when the atrocity was committed, these the, these people had human like skulls. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I I thought about that sure. a little bit. Um, I think that one. Um, you know, these are the remainders of the people in the village. Mm-hmm. So I I think of it. You know, in terms of like Shadow Over Innsmouth, like where it's possible that a progressive kind of corruption or transformation mm-hmm. is taking place. So the people who are left are the strongest and kind of the warriors. Yep. Like the people who could fight back against the church and the, the people who are human or who are kind of uh, human on the inside, skull wise or what have you, um, were the ones who fell. Before, the before they could transform like before they uh yeah yeah, yeah like you like you because it, it, i think that they transform because of the presence of cause yep and these mm-hmm. and these slugs 
um, is having this kind of like corrupting, you know, influence on them. Um, even though, I mean, they loved it. So who, who am I to call it? That's awfully, <laughs> you know, very normative. Corrupting. Yeah. yeah, it's very normative. It's very, you know, but um, yeah, it is. Uh, I was you know, thinking of it as this corruption. Um, the other thing being is that it could be nightmariness. You yeah, know, like we could sure. be seeing their their dream forms, which are these kind of half great one, half humans. Mm-hmm. But in real life, they were humans. Yeah. Who worshiped the, the fish god thing. Yeah. I could see that too. Like, uh, it, it might be a combination of of most of them. Although the uh, the the dream one does uh, c- kind of like exposure to the nightmare does warp and transform people. We saw that with the students, mm-hmm. with, uh, with 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 the goop students. Um, I don't know. I kind of like the idea that this is uh, kind of a different flavor of beast transformation, and that Kos is kind of like helping them fight off the. Uh, fight off the invasion a little bit because when we're in this area we can actually see like nothing here is like taken care of the (laughs) the village is flooded everything is kind of just carpeted with barnacles up and down Mm -hmm. um everything is in complete disrepair and i kind of wonder if they like the the denizens of of insmith kind of leave leave behind their old cares a little bit you know once once that's all that's left yeah, I, I think I think that is you know there, it's it's becoming one with this this other mm-hmm. you know the the village like all the things that are the human houses and stuff and the, these human concerns are no longer important in the face of you know this kind of transcendence mm-hmm. that they're going for. It's hard for me to think of it as as a version of the beast plague. Like uh, I I can see what you mean. I can see what that is, but it's so it's it's benign. Yep. You know, like it is. Uh, <laughs> and and we've never seen the beast plague be anything other than just ruin. Mm-hmm. You know, this is uh, this is uh, in a way, it's kind of like the successful version of merging <laughs> with these uh, with these outer kind of transcendent greater gods. Yeah. You know, it's it's like the peaceful, non-resistant way, as opposed to both like the churches and uh, the college's way. Yeah. Uh, which neither of which worked out. Yeah. Worked out great. This, this is this is kind of like the God came to them <laughs> and kind of adopted them like rewarded their devotion this is the, this is the transformation as the goal possibly yeah um as opposed to the nasty side effect that we try and hide and you know brush under the table quite literally yeah <laughs> yeah um so, so you continue making your way up through the village i mean you run into this well uh here with these casters um <laughs> that, that are essentially turrets um you know to, to kind of make these combat encounters a little bit more complicated um here and uh, there's a well. I think we should kind of cover the well a little bit later. Okay. Um, because as soon as I started climbing down the well, I uh, you know went back because there were winter lantern noises noises down there. <laughs> I was like, no, I, like I'm, I'm okay missing this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but you're you're introduced to what many have called, and I possibly agree, the hardest single enemy in the game, or at least a non-boss <laughs> enemy, are these uh, these fish ogres uh, that you fight. Can, uh, can you give us some pro tips on the fish ogres? Yeah, how do you fight fish ogres, Mike? <laughs> Uh, shaman bone blade. Hmm. Oh yeah. Shaman bone blade, yeah. and they will fight each other. That's what I'm told. I actually have never done it myself. Um, mm. and I did kill them with my fists, but you can backstab them and kill them in like two backstabs. Oh, and yeah. I mean, it wasn't easy. And I don't really have a strategy. Just kind of <laughs> circle around them and dodge good. <laughs> dodge them up real good. Yep. <laughs> they're they're like slip and slide attack. Yeah. Like they're like beaching themselves attack is one of my favorite animations in the game. <laughs> Everything about them is so goofy. Their instant kill, if they uh if, if they kind of catch you off guard, do their grapple, they pick you up and they swallow you whole. Yeah. Yeah. Head first. It's like the covetous demon. It's like it's like a cartoon cat eating a cartoon fish. 
<laughs> you expect him to pull <laughs> like your to skeleton just, out? Pull a skeleton out by your foot. Yeah. <laughs> dangle you in front of Heathcliff's, Heathcliff's weird, like, rapping friend on roller skates. Riffraff? <laughs> yeah, riffraff. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is very super goofy. Uh, but pretty great. Like, these guys, these guys, I like these guys. Um, they're real gross to look at. They look, they look uncomfortably moist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, in fact, that's like a whole this whole village. Yeah, like, pretty moist. <laughs> so has anybody got a, like a dehumidifier, or something like yeah. that? <laughs> Where would you uh, empty it? Uh, <laughs> and a cos. H, yes. <laughs> uh, bottomless, yeah. bottomless cos. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, these guys they use them sparingly, which is nice. Although later they get anchors, which yeah. somebody gave them heavy metal things. I don't know why they did that. Yep. Um, yeah, so we get a couple more little details about the village here. Um, there's some kind of, uh, I, I know that, um, Richard, uh, you know, the jerk son, the frontier guy, um, who, in his video where he talks about this, he talks about this being a whaling village, mm-hmm. uh, potentially. And that's why they have all these jars of oil, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. because there are jars of flaming oil everywhere and, uh, yeah. they will use these against you as traps and you can use it against them as well. Yeah. Um, but this area uses its environment pretty well at this point. Um, the level like I get there's I get kind of irritated with a, a couple of specific encounters a little bit later mm-hmm. in this area, but in this one, like I'm still super on board. Yeah, with uh, with how that works. I love this detail. You you can pick up like a like an oil urn, like a, like a consumable item, uh, in in one of these canoes that has a body resting in it, which kind of lends to mind either the idea of lighting those like candles and sending them out, or lighting lighting them on fire like a Viking funeral. Like just something to be done to get rid of the bodies that are just kind yeah. of mounting up, so they don't kind of rest um, in the in the streets covered by these silver leeches or worms. Yeah, yeah. And then while while you're thinking about that, one of the guys from off in the distance chucks a firebomb at you, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this your sojourn through there. <laughs> it's it's set up with traps for if you start thinking about it and looking at the environment too much, guys are going to kill you for it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is thematically really sound. <laughs> like, um, yeah, stop, uh, stop trying to uh, to examine this area, outsider. <laughs> um, I, um, kind of stepping back a little bit, I really like the reveal of the giant fishman because you're just mm-hmm. kind of walking past that building and it like comes around the corner, and the first thing is like, well, I got to get away from that. So you start sprinting, and then most of the time you're at a distance, so it uses the little slip and slide attack, <laughs> yeah. and you just turn around and immediately are dead, yeah. and you're like, well. <laughs> Okay. He's uh, full of sashimi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's he's definitely he's tucked back in that little uh, blind alley there. And uh, it's it's back by that kind of useless uh, shortcut mm-hmm. that lets you skip a total of like three enemies, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not super, super, super great. Um, as you, you continue moving up uh, to this little, uh, you know, cliffside area as you're heading to it. And and we're, we're skipping over a lot of individual encounters, but this area is very dense mm-hmm. um, with enemies, um, which is one of the things that I'm not super crazy about it, a little, especially a little bit later once you get to the area with the kind of bridges, um, where I just felt like, boy, like here I'm fighting 20 things. You know, it just it just felt mm-hmm. like uh, really easy to get overwhelmed and stunlocked to death, um, which yeah. we, we've talked a lot about on the show. But here, it's, you know, it still kind of works, but it's starting to get denser and denser as we approach the actual boss. Um, here to this kind of cliffside area uh, where there's this this house at the end, which we can't get into just yet, or we can get into and get through 
mm-hmm. but we can't actually uh, do very much with. No, yet. we have to go outside. All of the doors yeah. inside of it are locked. There's a yes. there's a cliffside path around. Um, prior to this, that there's a there's an encounter that I make sure that I want to make sure we don't gloss over. Um, the fishman chopping at the body by the shortcut. Mm. Uh, with his cleaver, yep. this is another weapon uh, that some of them uh, will start using against you, um, and it especially makes them uh, kind of uh, able to knock you over so they can do these really strong attacks. Um, but he's chopping at this body, and you go there and you look at it, and you find out that this is the the, the Harrowed Hunter's set, which is uh, part of what Simon is wearing. And uh, it turns out that the the church was kind of disguising their hunters as beggars to go out into the street uh, to look for the first signs of scourge, which they could just counterfeit. Yes. <laughs> and so the idea that like this was a beggar that the village uh, kind of took in oh, to yeah. kind of use as the uh, as kind of the that the church used as their first kind of inroads to kind of get them. Although the the, the church obviously came later, but. Yeah, sure. you know the idea still holds, which, which and explains a lot about why uh, how the common people react to you mm-hmm. when you are show up in the main game, like how no one will let you in, no one's opening their doors for you, mm-hmm. you know, because they they have a reason to be paranoid. Mm-hmm. Like the the church at this point, like this is one of the. I mean, there are many examples of this, but this is a real example of the church being actively antagonistic mm-hmm. to the citizens. I mean, there's there's a whole old Yarnum, like you know, it, it's, it's very <laughs> yeah. antagonistic to its citizens, but. The uh, this is another thing like they're really attacked like, man, I we said it a bunch, but like people in Bloodborne are assholes, like all <laughs> of the organizations in this are the absolute worst. Like, these are these are the worst people we've seen in a Souls game. Like, ugh. I, I was having um, a conversation in Slack today with uh, with some listeners and just the idea that and the lead up to Bloodborne, hearing that, that it was going to be this Victorian setting. And we talked a lot, a lot in the first episode, like, I'm kind of worried this is going to be steampunk. They kind of get around the like, we're going to present this awesome high flying tale of adventure about how cool it is to be white and rich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the steampunk thing just by making it the worst possible world. <laughs> Yeah, just the grossest people doing the worst things. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. They really, um, they really make the make the most of that setting. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So we're introduced to uh, to fit more fishmen here um, past the lighthouse, uh, casters, and then also fish dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like who is fish dog? <laughs> um, oh yeah, this and, is this is the path up to the uh, up to the lighthouse. We don't actually get to the. We haven't actually gotten to the lighthouse yet. There's yeah. a whole like cliff run. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's, it's been, I haven't played through this again, uh, partly because um, I kind of ran through it to refresh my memory a little bit, but mm-hmm. also I wish there were aesthetics so I could fight the bosses again and do the area <laughs> again without replaying the game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm still kind of going off of mostly my, my first playthrough memory. So forgive me if I get some of the areas mixed up. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, this is uh, this this is a a real kick in the balls. At least I thought it was the first time that I played it. This uh, this kind of run up the yeah. uh, um, as they kind of again very dense um, with uh, with enemies and these dogs. Like, how do you deal with the dogs, especially with no weapons? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I mean, even most of the areas you just kind of speed run through because get to the boss, kill the boss. That's what's important, sort yeah. of. But um, even even then, those dogs can. They do that AOE scream and they stun you while those like three fishmen are aiming spears to chuck at you. And like the, the spellcaster guy is like shooting those purple skulls your way. And then even if you manage to sprint past that, there's one of those fishmen hiding behind the corner, just waiting to, you know, slip and slide into you. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty, it's pretty brutal gauntlet there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, the more brutal set piece kind of parts of the game and mm-hmm. just continues 
like <laughs> as as you get to this this next area that's over the the village proper mm -hmm. um, is also full of these like pretty difficult little encounter designs. Yeah. And when we get to the lighthouse, we find our buddy Simon. <laughs> Um, who like seems like a relatively good guy until now that we realized he's one of these like bigger murderers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's uh, he's he's dying, um, and uh, he says something that we'll we'll kind of figure out here in a minute. Um, where he says, "I can hear the bell now. Uh, the beast's hide assassin is after me." And uh, he says, "Like you know, continue pushing through the village. That's what I've been trying to kind of go down to doing, mm -hmm. um, in order to end this nightmare, so the hunters don't have to suffer forever. And, uh, and not to put this on on you, uh, Cole, since it's your edit, <laughs> but um, the dialogue where he talks about, um, you know, and you can cut out me saying this, but where he says, uh, "Please, I need you to do something. This village is the true secret, testament to the old sins." It feeds this hunter's nightmare. Please, bring to an end the horror. So our forefathers sin. We hunters cannot bear their weight forever. It isn't fair. It just isn't fair. Hearing him on the edge of tears when he says that. Yeah, his heart kind of breaks mm -hmm. during it. And it's really, uh, you know, as much as you know, we, were, we were just talking about how terrible and shitty these people are. But like, yeah, the punishment is, you know, like it's a terrible, terrible, terrible crime. And perhaps the punishment is actually even more, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it is too much. It's there's yeah. no room for atonement. And we see as we go through this, like most of the lucid people that we find are seeking some kind of atonement. Right. Mm hmm. You know, as they're as they are attempting to get to you know to the center of this, and he is kind of your your companion in that. Like he's offering you advice, and he is following you along until his his tie with the church and the fact that you know he has the secret that needs to be kind of uh, uh, covered up works against him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he drops the uh, the bow blade, mm -hmm. which is uh, next time I end up playing Bloodborne, I'm gonna make a speed run to to kill this guy and get the blow blade because I don't <laughs> have to fire that. <laughs> um, didn't have the stats for it in my my playthrough yeah. of this, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but I definitely want to check it out. Mm -hmm. And then you also get the uh, the underground inner or underground cell inner key. Yes. Um, which is uh, it's a cell that holds a lone madman who wears a beast hide and rings a bell that emits no sound. <laughs> That's a good <laughs> sentence. Um, <sighs> unending death waits those who can hear the soundless bell. Mm -hmm. Also pretty metal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <so> <laughs> We can head back and figure out what's going on now. Yeah. Um, so kind of church jail section. So this ends up being a little bit of uh, cleanup, right? Because there's some stuff that we haven't seen. Like there were those cells that we couldn't really get into before. Um, and then there's the small matter of that big beast. But let's kind of pursue this line of inquiry to go after this uh, this soundless bell. And we talked to him before. He asked us. Um, you know, in the in the in the cells right after the corpse pile, if we could hear the bell, and if we said yes, he said, "Oh, you're lying to me, obviously." <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so you know, s such japes will not find you purchase here. Um, and if you say no, he says, "Oh, but you will soon." When you go back to this area, having kind of seen, uh, you, you, uh, he only spawns after you light the lamp in the lighthouse, so you've seen kind of what's happened here. Um, mm -hmm. You know the secret, and so you can hear the bell now. Yeah. And yep. here he is. Yep. And we, we can go back and take care of him. 
which which we're going to talk about. But if you don't, he invades you <laughs> a bunch of times. He invades you four times, and they are devious invasions uh, by Soulsborne kind of standards. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses the lead elixir uh, to <laughs> yep. wonderful effect, way better than I can. Like, whenever I try to use that, it doesn't help me at all, but it it just destroys me when he uses it Um, and and fights you like on like really narrow bridges. He ambushes you after you pick up an item um, as well. Um, He like works in concert with these kind of fish ambushes um, to Mm -hmm. to straight up murder you. Um, But instead, well, we'll, let's go back to his cell and TC some B. Um, (laughs) So uh, first, uh, there's this uh, Yamamura uh, who's at the end of the hallway. Um, And there's so little to this guy. Yeah, like what? Like this feels like a like it's something that was planned for something bigger. Um, he he kind of mirrors you a little bit. Like he's a bit of a kind of an example of what would happen to somebody from your position, uh, because he's a foreigner who came here kind of seeking something. In his case, revenge, and he kind of got in deep with the hunter organization. But the impurity of it kind of drove him mad. So as opposed to kind of going deeper into the mania, he uh, he decided to go the other way and ended up being locked in the cell because really there it was all he could do to even just stand up and bang his head into the wall and repeat this curse. Yeah. I, I mean, that feels like kind of a stretch to me. That that's, yeah. That is similar to your character. Like he's just another person from the league who, who you know, the constables or what have you, which gets like so little expansion mm-hmm. on, you know, I, I don't feel like that was intentionally a thematic uh, parallel to your own character. Hmm. Um, also is like his weird Eastern name, like, and, and it's weird. It just kind of feels like a, a weird one off. Like there's just nothing to it. There's nothing to him. We get like one paragraph of stuff yeah. with this guy. And it just, there's, there's not enough there for me to, to feel like he's significant. Um, it still, it feels like a dangling thread to me, hmm. um, at the very least, uh, you know, but uh, you know, it's fine to, it's fine to, with all due respect, I, I, I didn't mean to, to shut you down as harshly as, as I definitely did. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, uh, it, it's there. Well, what's, uh, well, what's kind of interesting about his, uh, one of his descriptions, again, we're getting some color on the church, um, mm-hmm. is, uh, the fact that he has these, these hand wrappings, uh, that the hunters wore to kind of keep the beast contagion from spreading to them. Even, mm-hmm. even though, um, it was heresy to say that the beach contagion, uh, was contagious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's another example of people doing like weird superstitious little rituals. Mm-hmm to protect from the beast plague. Cause we, there's a uh, people are using metal um, specifically to try to guard against it in an earlier armor description. So people knew about this thing and the idea that like everyone knows about it, the citizenry can actually actively try to avoid it. But people who have to kind of toe the party line can't talk about it openly, but still engage in these little like discreet rituals mm-hmm. to pr- try to protect themselves is super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but as you go in, uh, you get invaded by by this character again, or for the another time, the yeah. fourth time here, um, <laughs> who is uh, Braidor, um, who cuts a really striking silhouette. Um, yeah, this is some good fashion souls right here. Yeah, he's he's wearing a cleric beast. Hat. <laughs> yep, it's like the hat you got for pre-ordering scribble knots, <laughs> except, for, except for killing the cleric beast. Yeah, um, yeah. and also a cloak. Like he is, uh, he, he is kind of donning himself in bestial wares. Like this is this is the uh, sartorial equivalent of Mikolash howling. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it feels like, um, and he's using this uh, again, uh, contributing to his silhouette. He's using this bastard of an item. Yeah, yeah. This uh, the not, not the lead elixir, although that is a bastard as well. But this uh, this blood letter. Like, I don't yeah. know how to deal with this thing. Yeah, yeah. Th- this was definitely a tough fight uh, for me. Um, 
and I, I haven't used the blood letter in, in PvP, um, but I guess it is kind of like a PvP troll item, is my <laughs> understanding. Um, the description is interesting. It talks about how it being a way to, like, purify the blood or to, uh, to like, the accepted way to, to let impure blood out. Yeah, well, that's what Braidor believed, and like yeah. that's the that's the trick for it when it uh, when it transforms. It kind of looks like when Maria charges up her items a little bit, where yeah. the where the blood extends it, like this makes the the, the spikes longer and stuff. And Braidor believed that this was the only way to get the tainted blood out. So it wasn't yeah. just drawing blood from him wholesale. It was specifically a way for him to kind of get out the poison. Yes. Um, and this guy is a uh, an assassin. So um, his whole point is to protect this secret, um, you know, and and stop people, including yourself, from getting there. And again, now that you know the secret, you are a mark. Mm -hmm. um, I love this moment, uh, and I'm glad you brought it up in the notes. I'm glad you noticed it. When you come back here and you notice the two enemies, um, like, <laughs> you know, I've died since then, um, you know, and I've uh, I've rested at bonfire, so they should be alive. But they are dead kind of permanently as set pieces now mm -hmm. yeah. uh, because Bradar has escaped and, and killed them. Yeah. Super cool. Um, another thing about this Braidor encounter, at least right here in the hallway, um, is that you can't draw him into the corpse pile. Like mm. if you if you run, if you try and get him to a more favorable position, he will he will stick around right yeah. here. Um, so that you kind of always have to fight him in this in this position that is very unfavorable to you. Yeah, the choke point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, if you uh, go and talk to him, because, you know, he's just sending projections every time he rings this bell, um, he uh, he appears to you. Um, and uh, when he kills you, he says Un unending death awaits those who kind of look into this secret. Right. But you go and talk to him and he basically says, like, all right, you got me. What are you going to do? <laughs> What's it going to be then? A, eh? um, are you going to kill me um, or are you going to let me be? Yeah. And we're going to kill him because he's a bastard. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, the uh, I love I love this idea because in the cell he's non aggressive. Like you can never fight the real Braidor. Um, You know he's or like he doesn't want to fight. Like he's he's non aggressive to you mm -hmm. here. And I love this idea of him sending out this kind of avatar of himself mm -hmm. um, through this. Like it's such a cool idea for like a PvP item. It almost feels Gravelordy to me. Mm -hmm. Like if you could send instead of you being active, like you could send copies like AI versions <laughs> of your character build. Oh, like your build. Yeah. 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 Into <laughs> other worlds. That's the first thing I thought of is like, why can't I get this bell and like do Bloodborne <laughs> Gravelord shit? <laughs> and just make the goofiest fucking looking character and like just send, you know, like naked naked gun gunmen into other people's <laughs> worlds to like oh, gosh. You know, fail. Yeah, um, like if you had to fight really hard to like get to uh get to like this uh uh, like shrine or something where you had where you uh, defeated a boss to uh, to write your name on it. Mm -hmm. Like you got you got his tooth or something, so you could write your name into it, and you were frozen in that moment in time and sent into other people's worlds. That's a cool idea. Fuck yeah, super cool. Um, if you don't kill Braidor, uh, he like I said, he invades you a bunch of times, so it's yeah. recommended to do so. It's similar uh, to uh, Nevlon, actually, from yeah. Dark Souls too. Yeah, he's or or like he's. I mean, he's the, he's the. Like Lawtrek doesn't do this, but mm -hmm. I got Lawtrek vibes as well. Yeah, as this kind of a uh, character who is initially non-hostile, but who's actually going to keep fucking with you. Yeah, um, I mean we already have a Lawtrek in the uh, the beggar, but <laughs> this is kind of like feels a little bit like that too. Yeah, um, we also uh, if we head back to the church, and we could have got this before, mm -hmm. but um, there's kind of some trick things you can do with the elevator um in the church to get down below into a secret chamber i couldn't believe this i can't believe that i missed this detail because the shrine that you bring up 
Mm -hmm. Um, so we talked about, we talked a lot about the shrine with, uh, the, the, the miter and the book and the bell. Um, but below that, what comes Mm -hmm. up where you find Lawrence's skull is actually the shrine from the real world. Yes. Mm. (laughs) And, and I didn't notice that until I just by chance happened to walk through that cathedral. Um, (laughs) Pedro is there. Yep. It's the, it's from, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is from the real world. And I love how they hide this because we, we talked about the main shrine with the, the body on the table and the beast under the, the desk or whatever, under the gurney. Um, and that can kind of be some subtle signaling that like, hey, beast blow, <laughs> uh, you know, because you head down there and get the skull, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and we find Lawrence's skull, but it's his real human version. That's like his dream uh, kind of saved copy of his human <laughs> skull before he turned into a beast and it exploded open. Yeah. Um, it got wormed out. Yeah. Yeah. So we, so we can h- head back uh, to the place where we got the, the key to get up that elevator mm-hmm. um, to fight Lawrence, which I can't, I couldn't beat on my own. Like this is the <laughs> other boss I had to get help for. Yeah. I think this is really hard. Lawrence, the first vicar. I had to put in the the, the the cue there so we could put in the music. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, this is this guy's a son of a bitch. I'm not ashamed to say that I have not beaten him. <laughs> did you, uh, what, yeah. what did you think? Uh, what was your take on this? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Initially, you start fighting him and you're like, oh, okay, it's like Cleric, Cleric Beast 2.0. <laughs> but <laughs> the problem is all the openings that were there on Cleric Beast and the less significant damage that cleric beasts do that you could just kind of take in the face uh now like they two shot you and you can't you have to be really good with your timing because there's lingering hitboxes from these explosions when he slams the ground and stuff like that a lot of familiar um abilities of course but they have a lot of really interesting new abilities that completely catch you (laughs) off guard like his when he just completely dives forward um and then of course the whole second phase yeah, because he gets he gets stronger without legs, yeah. and generally I, I tend to follow the more leg equal more strong kind of way of life. You know, yeah, like I that's hope why one the... day to have multiple legs. I, I think that uh, you know centipedes are among God's greatest creatures. Yeah, that's like, why the centipede oh. demon was the hardest boss in Dark Souls. Yeah, mm. and it's and it's nature's all star. The um, <laughs> I the forgot centip- about that. Oh my god, uh, that, that's a scorpion actually. But you can get anything, any animal if you want to get that. <laughs> Just so, so you know, what we're talking about uh, Lobos. There's a a t-shirt company called the animal den okay. um where you get these like you just kind of choose an animal and it sells you merchandise related to that animal and awesome. i've got a shirt that has it's in a baseball font like a jersey and it says <laughs> scorpions nature's all-star under it and then that's it but there's like there's no picture of a scorpion but i'm sure you could get it with a centipede as well <laughs> and, and now i get that's spam funny. from them that's like new scorpion products in stock <laughs> Stock up on scorpion gifts for Christmas. Like I got an email wow. that said stock up on scorpion gifts for Christmas. <laughs> I lo- I love the idea that somebody wrote that mail merge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yes, but um, he does get stronger. So his 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 opening uh. His, his, his opening half is, is like the cleric piece, but when he loses his legs, kind of he's always had kind of this fire aspect to him, and it works into his attacks. But when he loses his legs, he does these terrible, and by terrible, I mean like in the like the wrath of God uh, kind of sense, these terrible um, uh, uh, fire AoEs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, it, it's really tough. He also has that kind of area control thing because he leaves lava around, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Am I misremembering that? Or is that... Um. Yeah, he's got a lava attack in the yeah, in second phase for sure. Yeah, I think he like and he leaves it around, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. again, I've only been able to. It's kind of quellag, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's got some, some quellag uh, to him. Um, I found him really hard. I, I ended up getting help and and you know fighting him with help and, and doing fine, but without help, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I yeah. just uh, just got murdered. Um, it, and it was also the last thing I did mm-hmm. in the DLC, and I was you know, <laughs> like I was I was pretty ready to be you know I wanted to be done with it, so I also probably. If I could have kept trying, I might have, uh, or would have kept trying, I might have been able to do it. But sure. you get uh, one of the coolest rewards for fighting this guy, though, um, for an optional boss, like, uh, which is the Beast and Race rune, which makes sense that he would have this as like kind of the head of the church. You know, if, if even though we in the last episode we talked about how there's a little bit of kind of shade thrown at this idea that it's, it's a straight up dichotomy, you know, or, or duology between uh, you know mind and, and beasthood, insight mm-hmm. and beast, um, as if there was some crossover. But if you consider Lawrence to be kind of the ultimate extension of the beast branch, mm-hmm. like the blood branch of, of the evildoers, um, it makes sense that he gives you the beast embrace rune because he is as far down that path as you can be, right. um, which uh, is another transformation rune <laughs> and turns you into a weird tentacle headed like Rasta werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it um, turns you into a cleric beast of your own. Um, yeah. and this is kind of the rune they stumbled upon remember these runes are in, are, are transcriptions of sounds that cannot yes. be otherwise described um and uh gives you this beastly appearance but it also kind of when you pair this with the beast claws uh gives you a new move set so you remember the the hunter that we fought back by nightmare gilbert's house mm-hmm. um this is what he was uh this is this is what he was on Yes, this is this is the, the drug that he was he was taking, and that move set's really fun. <laughs> like, uh, I like I would like to do a werewolf playthrough of this game too because it's it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, I know you've done a, a broccoli headed playthrough? Uh, Mike, have you have you done a, a beast playthrough yet? So I started huh? to do a beast playthrough, and it actually changes like your invulnerability frames on your dodges. Mm-hmm. And oh, weird! I at the time that I found that out, I was kind of. I don't want to deal with that. Like, that's basically <laughs> relearn all the timings for the attacks. So, does I, it does it? Extend I took them? it off and I kept doing just the beast claws normally. But I definitely played around with it for a bit, and it's got like that kind of air leap attack that's pretty cool. Um, that mm-hmm. it can actually backstab if you hit somebody in the back. Some mm-hmm. cool stuff you can do with those the new transformations. Mm-hmm. How exactly does it change the iframes? Because everything I read said that it extends them. Does it does it shift them? Does it just like universally change your? I, I don't know if it's less or more. Mm-hmm. All I know is I was playing through with the rune and everything was fine and dandy. I got to Vicar Amelia and I just could not dodge any of your of her attacks, and I was oh, wow baffled. I was baffled. Like her her slam that creates the shockwave. Uh, my timing for that was completely off, and I mm-hmm. did not know until somebody mentioned that it changes your your frames. And so I said, "Well, okay, let's test this." And I <laughs> took it off, and everything was back to normal. So oh, whether wow. it shifts it, that that I would actually be you know need to dodge sooner. Um, either way, that affected me enough that I didn't really want to continue with it. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Huh. It also changes your uh, um, your ability to use like anti beast runes as well. Not runes, uh, but uh, gems. Like it changes mm-hmm. it changes the uh, the the equation for uh, vulnerabilities on the enemy side too. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. At least wow. according to the wiki that I read when I was doing uh, research. Sure, on this. Sure. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. Kind of as a, a side to that, I really enjoy the uh, 
the broccoli man, the milkweed rune transformation dodges. They're just so they're so groovy. They, yep. <laughs> it slides and stylish, man. Yeah, uh, you, you know what it reminds me of. Um, uh, we, we have uh, we have this a little bit later, but it reminds me of the way that the uh, the leech zombies in Resident Evil Zero move. Mm. Like how everything is just kind of like liquid and wormy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very fluid and chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to let okay, so let's work that into the lexicon. Wormy is another euphemism for chill. Like <laughs> getting wormy? Yeah, yeah. No. Do you want to go over my house and get yeah, wormy? I'm just worming out, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> just, just wormy and chill. Like, yeah. <laughs> Netflix, wormy and chill. Yeah. It's, a, it's like, a, like a trio of demons or something like that. Like a, like, um, oh man. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the uh, the skull implies that there's a little bit of regret in Lawrence, at least mm. in the in the dream version, because you know if 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 you ascribe to the idea that the bloodletting beast that we fight in the in the labyrinth is kind of the version of him that was kind of thrown into the oubliette, mm-hmm. this dream idealized version still cannot reunite with his skull, and the idea that he only wakes up when you bring it to him. The description talk, you know talks about how he kind of like seeks it but will never get back kind of his humanity because he. Uh, threw it all away his humanity as kind of manifested by his memories um and uh just the idea that like it's a symbol of everything he kind of failed to protect so it kind of implies that he has that at least he began with uh with some good uh some good intentions yeah yeah i mean i think i think that most the the monsters in this uh have good intentions yeah it's just uh you know good intentions don't fix skulls like (laughs) intention in one hand and blood in the other exactly yep <laughs> scraping well. tools um yeah um so let's go back to the mm-hmm. village uh so we we you know we continue through we get to the top of the path and you look down um and you can see actually from this little overlook uh that has a little grave with a lumen flower on it which is a cool little set piece that i don't i don't know who this is um here but you can actually see the emboss like a big white wilted creature on the beach and uh, you don't really know what how important this is going to be just yet <laughs> Um, but it's going to be very important. Yeah, um, this, this this just looks, looks like somebody like lubed on the <laughs> on the beach. Like, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's very unsettling even from this uh, high high point of view. At least it was for me. Yeah, interesting. I didn't I didn't catch that angle my first playthrough or any of my playthroughs. Honestly, no, oh. yeah, he's he's down there. He's yeah, just waiting. <laughs> for him. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's skybox or if you're actually seeing um, you know, all the way across the level to it. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, th- this kind of begins your descent down the you know the other side of this cliff that you ran up with all those enemies on top of you, and you have a bit of a brief reprieve um, until you get on these rooftops and uh, and these and these bridges, and it really behooves you to go and take care of Brador um, at this point. Like I th- mm-hmm. I think that getting that key from Simon is really like them saying, you know what, go take care of this. Because because Brador's first invasion here uh, was a real wall for me until I figured yeah. out how to like, you know, I, I beat him once and then he kept coming back. Unlike most of these other uh, kind of like big mini boss hunter fights. And it, like it really drove me to go take care of this. Yeah. Yep. 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 It, it's super tough. Um, partly because of these new these mages, mm-hmm. uh, the lightning summoning mages, yeah. which uh, what they do is they, they cast a spell on you where lightning uh, strikes from above. And uh, it took me a, like an embarrassingly long time to figure out how to deal with this, um, which is just have something above you. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just kind of get hit and just was like, why, why am I getting hit? What, what is doing this? Like, why does this keep <laughs> happening? Um, yeah. And just, it drive me nuts. Um, so eventually it ended up working out and I, I was fine with it. But at first, like I had a really hard time fighting these dudes. Um, you can also fall down here. Um, this is where like <laughs> you can fall down and the game wants you to, like it is a trap, you know, to fall down and fight all the fish people in the world. <laughs> like it is just like a fish dog, fish person, fucking fish, all fish fry, all you can eat jamboree, <laughs> like down on slime town. Like I just, it was driving me crazy. Like every time I'd fall down, mostly from fighting Braidor, like I would just land and, and there'd just be infinite enemies. I just get stunlocked to death over and over and over. And uh, this is the first part of the, the DLC where I'm like, I find this really frustrating and not that fun. Uh, this specific stretch mm-hmm. here sure. um, above the, the tunnels. Once you get in the tunnels, a-okay. <laughs> but this part of the village bums me out. I've played through the DLC probably, you know, a bunch of times. And I think I've only, like, thoroughly gone through that area maybe twice, including my first playthrough. Because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot interesting and it's just a lot of stuff to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like skipping it or running past it is definitely viable and, and smart. Yeah. yeah, I never fell down there. Like I never, I never got the punishment oh, really? version of that. Like you can, mm. you can climb down. Like yeah. or I guess it's it's the path that you would otherwise climb up. And so I went down there because my my heuristic is to go down before I go up because up usually means progress. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the case here too. And so I went down there and I was kind of a little bit underwhelmed that all I got was upgrade materials, upgrade materials yeah. and gems, which just kind of, you know. Is the is is the chaff that Bloodborne kind of throws at you in lieu of giving you more information, um, and so it's it's a little bit of a, a, a an anticlimax either way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because the the exact opposite happened with me after I fought Braidor. I for whatever reason thought, yeah, let's jump down. So I immediately jumped down, cleared out the whole area, and didn't even know that you could. Cr- I, I didn't remember that I could cross that bridge and that there was another cave. So I actually like kind of backtracked and. Oh, no. Couldn't find my way because I had just skipped all of that. <laughs> yeah, huh? But yeah, mm-hmm. um, if you decide to go the other way, there's a there's a path upward that kind of leads into this uh, building that kind of a little bit reminds me of the uh, of the boat dock from uh, Central Yarnum. Mm-hmm. Um, this in the guide, uh, the old hunter's guide, which uh, I've got right here. It's really good, although kind of costly for what it ends up being. Um, they call it the Parasite Farm, which um, kind of gives a little bit of a lie to people who call this a fishery. No, this has been adapted for a different purpose. Well, yeah, at mm-hmm. one point it was definitely a fishery. Yeah. Um, but it, it, even if you're not paying attention, it's very easy to think that these things on the ground are fish. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's they're, 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 they're silvery. They have this white otherworldly glow. Uh, yeah. There are no fins and tails. <laughs> yeah, just like fish. <laughs> yeah. The, um, but they're, they're actually these slugs, which are either, you know, came from the inside of Koss mm-hmm. um, or are just attracted by by Koss. Like, I love the idea. And this is there's nothing in the text to support this. But I love the idea of Koss washing up on the beach, you know, because we know Koss was dead uh, when Koss showed up. So they, they started worshiping Koss as Koss was dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and just slugs starting washing up on the beach, you know, and then just there's just it's lousy with slugs. Like I've talked to because it's one of the more horrific things I've seen on TV. I've used this as a reference for multiple one of our shows. But there's like a Discovery Channel special on this island called Christmas Island in Australia that yeah. every like eight years or something has a crab year. And <laughs> the entire island gets covered with crabs. These like <laughs> non-edible 
angry, shitty crabs. And they're just everywhere. Like they show people like you have to check your shower to make sure it doesn't have crabs in it. They show um, people there's like a a ditch or like the roads are slick with crabs from them being run over. Like Mm -hmm. they they show people wearing uh, flood pants with buckets, just uh, bailing ditches of baby crabs, (laughs) hundreds of thousands of baby crabs that look like those orange Halloween spider rings. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love the idea of just like one day, you know, a couple slugs wash up and it's like, oh, that's weird. Um, And then, you know, the next day there's a couple hundred and then there's just slugs, 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 (laughs) slugs. Uh, You know, it's just, it's super, super creepy to me. Yeah. Um, funny thing about Christmas Island, the top level domain, uh, domain uh, most countries have a TLD, um, is .cx, which is uh, most famous for Goatsy. Oh, hey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this, I, every time I brought up Christmas Island, it's just my uh, way to trick listeners into looking at a picture of a man uh, holding his butt open. <laughs> So it's it's all an elaborate goatsy con, so, and not the elaborate goatsy con we we uh, threw at the the Meredith Hilton, um, which is uh, the annual gathering for goatsy enthusiasts. Um, oh, man. Uh, that gag's a bit of a stretch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so something that I'm a little bit uh, uh, kind of confused about, not confused, but so the idea that these would be phantasms kind of occurred to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we we find out about these through different ritual items that get us to eyes. Um, uh, they're, they're the, uh, one of the augers of Abritus is uh, like the, you use that by kind of crushing one of these phantasm things. They're kind of implied to be these um, annelid like uh, creatures, you know, that are that are from beyond, whether or not they come from inside coasts or um, or, you know, uh, from elsewhere. They're kind of uh, created wholesale uh, from uh, her presence. Any of those kind of things. I'm not quite sure. What do you what do you think of the idea of this of this being a hatchery? You know, these these parasites, whether or not the coast parasite is kind of a fresher version of these phantasms um, and whether or not that is used in kind of creating some of the enemies that we're going to find at the bottom here. Does any of that ring true to either of you? Like, so are you saying that these are maybe baby versions of the snail women? Uh, I don't know about uh, the snail women. I think that maybe this is uh, probably implanted into them to make them that, or their presence mm-hmm. uh, kind of involves or is a sign of the corruption that turns them into, well, into these the, snails. The, the whole fishing village is infected with a spiral. So, I mean, <laughs> I think we all know what yeah. the snail yeah. women showed up. Um, <laughs> Which is uh, for people who you know, that's Uzumaki. Yeah. Um, the yeah, I don't know. Um, they're kind of all-purpose snails, right? Because they're all-purpose slugs. Because one of them is used as a torch, mm-hmm. too, in an earlier section, which I, I saw from Richard's video mm-hmm. uh, talking about this. So like, they can do a lot of stuff. Um, I'm into the idea of them being harvested, uh, but to yeah. you know, to what end? Like, right? Like, they're not just for. Like, is it just that these people, because they're all they got cause on the brain, like more slugs <laughs> equals more good? You know, is it is it to infect people like ultimately these slug or these uh, snail people are that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Like they are somehow closer to to cause or closer to this enlightenment mm-hmm. than than the fish people is. I, I, that's the only part of like I'm fine with the idea of the mass manufacturing this eldritch little tiny creature because I like that. But I don't know what the end game is or, or why they would be doing that. Do you, I mean, did you, do you have any ideas for that or do you have any any thoughts on on that? Lobos? Um. I actually was not as nearly as aware of those uh, those little slugs that you're talking about. I mean, I remember seeing them in piles and stuff, but I didn't recall seeing it as a as a torch. Uh, where is that exactly? It's a, it's in the lighthouse. 
or it's in the, the okay. little house where you find um, uh, Simon. Okay. Um, we, which I didn't notice huh. it either. Yeah, it, it's weird. It's a weird detail. Um, the, the person we had on the first episode, uh, Richard uh, Pilbeam, who we had on the first episode on the DLC, does these uh, YouTube series called Bloodborne Up Close, where mm. he just kind of does this really, really exhaustive, and I mean that in a good way, um, <laughs> examination of the scenery and statuary and kind of enemy details of different sure. areas. And uh, yeah, one one's being burned like tallow. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's very cool. Like uh, that's probably my weakest point in running through Bloodborne is a lot of times I'm you know I'm on my mission to to get good <laughs> at the bosses and do my challenge runs that um, I, I catch up on on kind of the details from other mm-hmm. content creators. So um, that's really cool. Um, for me, I you know I saw the littler slugs, the smaller slugs, and they they kind of brushed past me, and I went immediately into kind of examining the the snail ladies that appear kind of later on. Yeah, mm. I really like the details. So down at the bottom, it you know the they're piled. This place is piled with uh, slugs, as a fishery would be piled with fish. But up here, up at the top, they're kind of dried out, and we even see these like husks of shells that have been abandoned um, mm. up here higher. Um, so I don't know if that is proximity to the sea or if that is just the idea of like, oh, without moisture, these things desiccate as they would. I think they look like they're supposed to desiccate, but I like the idea of whatever was inside those shells making their way out to sea. Mm-hmm. You know, well, ultimately, I mean, we see them. We we see yeah. them without their shells. Oh, yeah. 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 But I mean, if that, that being their ultimate goal, mm-hmm. rather, like oh, I know yeah. we see not all of them go out to sea, but that being, you know, they're going to go join, uh, you know. Mother Koss, yeah. or the, the idea of Mother Koss, or, or what have you, in in the sea, which still has this kind of tie with enlightenment <laughs> and, and insight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so this is kind of a two-level area here. Um, we have a shortcut back to the uh, the lighthouse, and that that uh, that lamp is very useful. Um, but uh, but uh, over here, we have these fishmen mages who are kind of sniping across this bridge as the melee uh, kind of come. The melee fish come and get us uh, from short range. This is a very difficult encounter I found, mm-hmm. um, specifically because I can't really, uh, I've never survived the fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like the first time, first time you come in, like uh, there's that bridge immediately. And if you try to cross it, like about midway, one of those melee guys kind of catches you in the middle. And you have to either, you know, fight fight it or kind of back off. And if you decide to stick in that area, then off in the distance, one of those lightning mages kind of gets gets an eye on you and starts <laughs> throwing spells your way. And yeah, it makes it pretty tough. Yeah, and the, the spells in here, um, I felt like in the above area, you could be under a roof and protect you. But here, you know, we're we're <laughs> under a giant roof, but this still, it's like a, those weird like caves where it rains. I know that's not exactly <laughs> what it is, but it uh, had that feeling. Yeah, a little bit to me. I get the sense that you had more trouble with these uh, casters than I did, Gary. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah, I just uh, probably did. I saw them as a wrinkle, but they 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 never really stymied progress very much. Yeah, no, I uh, part of it is because I didn't uh, on my playthrough, even though I've advised doing it, um, I didn't go back and kill Braidor until you know I went and did all the wrap up stuff after the game. So Hmm. many of the encounters with these lightning things coincided with encounters with Braidor. Um, and all it takes is getting hit by one thing you're not expecting while you're like distracted, you know, doing a hunter fight to mean that hunter can kind of stunlock you into death. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the lightning a lot of times meant getting killed by the, the blood letter. Okay. Me. Yeah. You know, so that's probably why they are more obnoxious to me. Um, but I could, I mean, I could have gone back and killed Braidor. It was just my weird 
you know, my exploration heuristic, which is to finish off a path before I go back. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go as far down this path as I could before I went and did kind of wrap up stuff. Yeah. Um, even though that's not best practices. Um, let's talk about these snail ladies. Because uh, we've seen one before. Yes, we um, have. Yeah. Well, yeah, which is super, like, amazing. Like, once you kind of figure <laughs> out that's what this is, yeah. um, you know, that's where this came from. <laughs> um, for cool foreshadowing it's really on the nose foreshadowing it's literally just like a thing from the future falling on your lap um, <laughs> a thing from way back in the past falling in your lap yeah it's it, it, well, the future of your play but yeah way back in the past <laughs> right. in, in real life um in real life the uh but the it's so it's so cool when you finally see those and you're like oh, okay yeah like, that's what i saw it all comes together now <laughs> yeah um, and these things are great. These things creep me out really well. Uh, I like that the, the fishmen have kind of male characteristics and the women, the, all the snail creatures are women, mm-hmm. which is this weird idea. Like whatever transformation is happening seems to be kind of split by gender mm. in this, like the, whatever the curse or corruption or like closeness to cause or whatever we want to call what's happening to this village um, seems to be affect the, the different genders differently. Mm-hmm. Um, which is just kind of like a weird little wrinkle and kind of detail. And that the the ladies are 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 snails. It's this kind of uh, you know, it makes me think like, what if they're here? What if that's where like some of the the parasites are coming from? You know, what if this is a farm and that it's like a birthing? Oh shit! Kind of mm. kind of area. Yeah. You know, and that's why these uh, these snails are laying in piles of these slugs, and maybe that's where the you know these versions of the slugs came from. Oh, it's like their birthing pit. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the like the fucking uh, brood basilisk from uh, from the shaded woods. Yeah. You just pick up a desiccated slug and you say it was perfect in every way. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I had a slug. Um yeah, I mean I just had this thought of like the you know and this is not says nothing about what I think about real, you know, ladies in real life, but the mm-hmm. idea that this they're kind of like they're more they're less mobile here and they're really concentrated in one area they're not sent off to like protect the village or anything mm-hmm. they're all really concentrated here to either work or or be this kind of production line mm-hmm. for these mm-hmm. slugs um yeah. this is a detail i ended up really liking and, and creepy to me they're super creepy too because they have the uh they have this long flowing hair and because they're moving by crawling they're, they're kind of like uh uh samara from uh mm. from the ring or from yeah. uh, from here, <laughs> a, a little bit, and the fact that they they, they come at you, um, and uh, down here when they have their, their their shells, they're not really that much of a threat. Um, mm-hmm. And la- later on, when they're kind of unencumbered by this, they're far more mobile than you yeah. would expect them to be, and actually uh, probably marginally more mobile than the than the fishmen themselves too. Yeah, just like get rid of that shell. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, I used to have hermit crabs as a pet. And every oh, yeah. once in a while, you'd like wake up and your hermit crab would be outside of a shell, and it it would be like, um, <laughs> "Oh my, please knock on my cage before you." No, like, I wish that he would he would knock on his cage to let me know he was like he needed to hang a door like a, a necktie <laughs> on the outside of his crabitat or something because crabitat. <laughs> <laughs> Because it, it, it it's disgusting. It's it's like a, when you see it's like when you have a um like a beloved pet and it does something like gross biologically. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like how I feel about dog boners. Like I like dogs and then like they get a boner and I'm like ugh. Like I didn't want to be reminded of that part of you. You know this like biological part. It's like that. Like Kermit crabs are super cute when they're just like two little eyes and big claws. And then mm-hmm. when you see what's under the shell, they're repulsive nightmares. Yeah. That, like you know it, I I can't believe I kept as a pet. Um, <laughs> yeah so it's like that like the insides of this are really creepy and it's like not meant to be seen yeah that's uh that's how i feel about uh animal buttholes actually yeah 
Yeah, a little yeah. bit. I think that that is probably the dividing line between man and beast is that man decides to cover his butthole. Yeah, <laughs> way yeah. into it. Like, what, what a good thing humanity has done. That's a really good thought technology, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm way into it. Even if it was just like a pasty, like, I would, I would still be into it. Like, anything that just takes care of that, because I don't need that in my life. Yeah. Uh, but uh but yeah the, the the fact that this is a farm is super unsettling and mm-hmm. uh who yeah there's just so much uh so much life teeming at the bottom of this yeah yeah um we can go into this uh this little tunnel um where uh there is uh you know we, we should deal with what's under you know down the well Mm-hmm. You, can, you can get there from here. There's another uh, kind of overlook to get to the uh, to, to, to see the the lug on the beach yes. um, off to the right there. And um, as you kind of go through, you have these access tunnels that are full of the shellless um, uh, uh, ladies, right? The the the, the snail mm-hmm. the snail people um, that are kind of leaping at you uh, by the power of their arms and I guess their pseudopod. I don't know. Um, and there's, uh, the, the, there are a, a series of drops that you can get to that kind of get to into this radial chamber, um, that has a gigantic fish man kind of wandering around in circles beneath it. And this, this is the way you want to take, because, uh, this way you can deal with the winter lanterns <laughs> that are on your way here rather than having them just kind of preside over the fight, <laughs> um, which oh, is yeah. the worst and possible. Giving you the, giving you the frenzy. Yeah, giving you the frenzy. Um, we don't need to talk about Winter Lanterns anymore. Did you? We've talked about it a lot, but uh, you know, this is the first time we've had uh, uh, Lobos on for for Bloodborne. Um, what's what's your frenzy take? What what are you are you good with frenzy? How do I feel what about do, frenzy? Yeah, it's um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely different. It's it's one of those things where you can go prepare for it, and it's not as bad. You can get frenzy runes and the correct frenzy gear. Um, but usually I'm playing through the game pretty quickly, so it's just like a blood vial drainage mechanic, yep. basically. Where you just, <laughs> even if like you're a- doing well against it, um, I, I have a much better time with them now um, since I got like better at parrying them because you can just parry their grab. Oh wow! And I didn't know that. if you ti- if you time the repost correctly, if the frenzy goes off while you're in that animation, it actually doesn't deal damage to you. So, oh shit! Yeah, cool. <laughs> it's it's a little hard to time, and actually not having frenzy resist makes it easier because you'll pop faster. Oh, but yeah, hmm. if you can manage to line that up, it's it's a it's a lifesaver. Wow, that's really really uh, risk reward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you get grabbed, it's just well, we'll try next time. <laughs> well, we'll see you again next year. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Oh, that, that's pretty sweet. Like I, <laughs> I I didn't realize that as a thing, yeah. and the idea of them as a blood vial tax. Is, is pretty pretty apt to you like <laughs> yeah. i had a harder time with them than that but like you know if, if i was just running through that's what they would be um mm-hmm. for sure uh you're making your way through these and, and hopefully killing the winter winter lanterns here and you get this like that circular chamber where there's a, a fish man but there's also a fish man clinging to the wall above you <laughs> who you know a rare like it's kind of breaking the rules like you can't hurt him He's immortal mm. until he decides to activate and you can't mm-hmm. trigger him early or pull him or anything <laughs> like that because what they want to have happen is that you fight one of them and then when it's kind of about halfway done, the second one pops in and you have to fight two, you know, fish ogres at the same time, um, which is really, really tough. I didn't manage actually to do this on my, my playthrough, but again, I was kind of rushing, mm-hmm. um, but I just, you know, I was like, I, I looked up what it, what I was missing by not doing it and yeah. was like i i'm not going to end up using that weapon i can read the description online <laughs> sure. um yeah. yeah you know what this reminds me of the uh the giants beneath uh black gulch in oh, yeah. Too. yeah 
um yeah. just this mini boss encounter that is not labeled as such um but yeah i, I did not do this either um and and the the reward the weapon that you get the rikuba um i believe is what it's called rikuyo i believe rikuyo yeah, there we go yeah rikuba um, the like Riku- the- <laughs> rikuba you know <laughs> the, the rikuba good junior yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that is a very specialized weapon. Like you really have to be up there on your decks. I'm not sure where that stands in the prerequisites um, amongst all the other uh, kind of any, uh, uh, weapons for the skill mm-hmm. requirement. But uh, but yeah, this is this is the weapon that Maria used against you, mm-hmm. yep. and used when she took part in the, yeah. uh, the ter- terrible violation of this village. Mm-hmm. Uh, when <laughs> we talked last episode about how Maria is the closest thing this game has to a sympathetic character, like this is Exhibit A, and that is at the very least, you know, she shows other signs of repentance. You know, mostly that she has signs of suicide uh, when you run into her, but also, uh, you know, in the white item description for this, it talks about how she lost her taste for blood and cast this weapon off in yeah. disgust. Yeah, and uh, down, you know, down the well at the very site of where yeah. she was at, like she did not continue to, you know, she, she kind of laid down arms. Yes. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I feel like she was complicit in this. Mm-hmm. Like she was, she was German's apprentice and, and the you know, church did this and German did it. Like in the, the trailer for this, it shows like German walks mm-hmm. to the, into the village in the trailer for, for the old hunters. Like, um, but she's decided that, you know, not for her, like she's going to try to repent or at the very least not doing, you know, murder herself yeah. uh, in order to not, you know, to, to kind of deal with this guilt. It's kind of funny because that casts her um, kind of warden-like status in a different light, too. Like, if she was there attempting to take care of them, mm. you know, of, of the of the kind of the the results of the research that was done here. Yeah. You know, in, in the clock tower, presiding over the research hall and was, like, an actual benevolent figure. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to say because of the yeah. chronological yeah. weirdness of the DLC, whether she was uh, warden of the research hall before or after mm-hmm. the fishing village mm-hmm. incident. Um, it would, it would have had to have been after because all the research was predicated on what they found here. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, That's true. Yeah. It was the church that did it, too. Like, right now, we're firmly in, like, Bergenworth as a college yeah, territory. Yeah, before, kind of before the split or at the very, you know, at the point of the split. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, this encounter is really hard. I didn't do it. Um, you know, uh, my kid said earlier that, uh, Shaman Bow and Blades do, do the yep. job, which is, yeah, they'll fight each other job. and beat each other up good. <laughs> yep. And you can just watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can just doom it, pick up the scraps. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, another detail about Maria that we, uh, I don't believe we mentioned last, last week. Um, but I mm-hmm. want to make sure we hit here also in the, uh, the item description for her weapon. Um, it, uh, uh straight up states that she is a distant relative of uh annalise yeah 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 i mean i didn't i didn't we didn't bring it up last time i had it on the mind but like the more i think about it and we'll get into this when we get into kind of wrap up thoughts like the less interested i am in in kanehurst's connection to all this stuff mm-hmm. like, I, don't, I just I, I can't care that much mm. um i'm just not that like Kainers is is really cool as an area and has like individual stories within it that are really neat but the way mm-hmm. it fits yeah. into the grand scheme of the the game I'm I I'm not that enthusiastic about hmm. like finding the connections of like oh like this person actually is from Kanehurst and this person is actually from Kanehurst like it just doesn't feel like it adds up to much yeah which is I'm, it sounds negative but it really is just about how good the DLC is and how it presents like a simpler better story to me yeah it it, uh, it definitely gives a bit of a, cr- a chronology to it though because she abhors blood arts and mm-hmm. Kanehurst had blood arts. Um, at least if you believe the item descriptions, because of a result of somebody defecting 
from the uh the hmm. um uh oh gosh bergenworth uh yeah. after they found the uh the, the blood in the labyrinth um either that or they had it because of a thumerian connection like the idea uh i think that it actually enriches some of this which is that old ones are not as rare as we are led to believe by their monumental status inside of the game itself and the fact that we mm -hmm. are looking at not just different factions within a city but different cultures entirely kind of getting their contact with it so the fact that she kind of knows what's up with how awful all this stuff is and actively decides not to use it most of what we see here actually with with, uh, with Simple Gracia, uh, with Simon and his bow blade, and then here with Maria and her uh, and, and her weapon, which actively eschews this advantage that she could take, is people mm -hmm. taking this moral stance against these uh, things that could give them an advantage, but they don't believe in. Does does the fact that there's like I I got two ideas from that, but I'm not sure how they're connected. So like I got you saying that the um, that her her connection with the Canerson stuff suggests that these great ones are not rare, mm -hmm. um, which I agree with. And the, the DLC does that. I don't think that's additive. I don't think that's makes for a better story. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that is the suggestion to it. But I don't understand the connection between that and people choosing not to use weapons that would give them an advantage unless it like the idea is just that it ties into the pursuit of knowledge as damning and, and cursing. I think that it, it really is just her motivation because she knows what happened with her lineage behind yeah. her, you know, because because of the pursuit of blood arts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I can I can kind of see it. I think it's less cool that great ones are just everywhere. Um, that it's like it's that there's just kind of like, oh, we found them in the labyrinth. Oh, we found them in the fishing fishing village. Like, mm -hmm. I think that that's less cool yeah. than, than more cool for me yeah. at least like i don't know like i just i see the fishing village as an extension of the research that they started when they when they broke into the labyrinth and found it out yeah. like i can see that being still being the the inciting incident and i don't think that takes too much of the of the impact away from what we find later like i think that this is you know the point of no return i don't, I don't think it takes the impact away i just think it's stronger oh. like i just think it's it's a cooler like and, and and it took me a little while this is getting into weird wrap-up thoughts like a little bit mm -hmm. early but like it took me a little while to figure out part of what was causing some of my apathy for bloodborne and it it really is and this is going to sound like a joke because i hated playing through them so much mm -hmm. but it really is the chalices which i just don't think like the chalices and the thumerians i can't get invested in mm -hmm. i don't think it's that strong of an idea i think it, like cool things came out of it you know like there are there are tons of cool ideas in bloodborne but mm -hmm. the the kind of the lore community kind of getting really in the weeds about like oh this person might be thumerian this person kind of has a little bit of a thumerian look to them yeah. etc they might be descended from like i just don't think and this is a really simple way to put it and it doesn't sound but i just don't think the thumerians are cool mm. like i don't think it <laughs> i don't think it's that interesting as, as a yeah. thing whereas all of the stuff with this fishing village with like a dead god washing up on the beach and this uh you know kind of village getting uh you know under its thrall and worshiping it and then having being taken advantage by these people in pursuit of knowledge like that's really that fires my imagination up mm -hmm. you know like that's a really cool story that has you know it, it has a, a beginning middle and end and it's not needlessly complicated mm -hmm. like when you start kind of tracing ties to, to annalise like it starts feeling needlessly complicated to me yeah um yeah like non-additively mm -hmm. and, and and you know your mileage could vary and people are listening <laughs> mileage could vary and guests we've had on the show like i know there are people who are really into that stuff yeah. but 
that's part of this, the the reason why, like, I feel like with Bloodborne, I'm less interested in following these little tributaries than yeah. I am in, in the previous Souls games. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not like treating this like, ooh, what's happening in Vinheim kind of way. I like yeah. the idea of a precursor race that we find just a little bit about. Like, just yeah. take all the gameplay away from the chalices. Um, you know, the idea that there is this labyrinth that is just kind of this oubliette for these ancient and profane ideas that are just mm. down there waiting for the taking, like the idea of digging too deep that is kind of ubiquitous throughout the series. And that whole thing, you know, again, a contact from a great one from a different direction, this time from ground instead of from water. Um, mm. And all of those kind of just uh, like any time humans meet great ones, nothing good happens. Yeah. So I kind of see it all as, as uh, you know, additive in that way, which is it's just more evidence of what happens. And I agree that the fishing hamlet story is is there. I just I I like the idea of of Maria having this personal story of kind of knowing what happens as a result of this pursuit and yeah. kind of mot motivating her, giving her that kernel of that descent, which you know, given what happens with her and why she's trapped in this dream, like she was complicit in it, she helped out, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but you know, the after that point of no return, you know, making the ultimate sacrifice in order to be kind of the only decent-ish person here. Like, I, I like the idea of that connection being the kernel there without going so far as to, you know, analyze, you know, facial structures and do like phrenology on 3d yeah. models you know? yeah the, 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 <laughs> i mean i, I can see what you mean i, I think it just this is just it's really just coming down to like a headcanon thing because like mm -hmm. for me her uh kind of throwing down her arms at this act mm -hmm. is not necessarily made stronger by her knowing where where it goes you know mm. her way like her having seen it all before she could also just do it because hey it's not right to try to scrape the inside of people's skulls for eyeballs mm -hmm. like that's just not you know it doesn't have to be like hey i know because i've been here before it ends poorly mm -hmm. like i also i don't know if i feel like it takes away the fact that it, it makes it feel like she's choosing not to do it because of consequence rather than morality mm. and like as opposed to you know and that and that's kind of uh the the difference in how it feels i mean mm. we don't know yeah. you know it, like uh, i don't know if there's anything specifically that says yeah. why she did it other than that she got disgusted right um with it but like if if it's just like it makes her feel less like a decent person because it makes it feel mm -hmm. feel like she's afraid of the downfall rather than mm -hmm. just being disgusted with herself. But it gives her a motivation. So there are two different two two different disgusts that are happening here that actually lead to it being a morality. First, she casts the weapon into the into the uh, into the well, right? Mm -hmm. And also, she refuses to use blood arts, even though she wields this weapon that is from her ancestry. This thing that you know that that, that is not powered by her own blood, like the Chicago is, mm. you know, right here, like that leads back into like, oh, like the good people here tend to eschew the thing that does more harm and the advantage er, it, that does more harm in the name of getting something more efficaciously. Simon's not a good person. <laughs> Like yeah, Simon, Simon was a was a bigger murderer. Yeah, but I think um, that he's, he's changed he's, his mind. He's, maybe. He's, he's changed his mind, but like yeah. it, and you know, like again, there's that kernel there. Maria is not a good person either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess it just like if she had just thrown away her weapon, like let's say it wasn't a weapon from Kanehurst, it was mm -hmm. just a weapon, and it was just like the the lore was she threw away her weapon. I'm really sorry if this is terribly boring. <laughs> <but it> was, <laughs> Very interesting. We, I, I apologize for for. I mean, I. I I feel guilty for for not including you in this. It's just that 
popped out, it's going to bubble to the surface. But like if the, if the lore had just been like she threw away her weapon in disgust over what she had done mm-hmm. and there was nothing about saying it actually traced its way back to Kinghurst. Yeah. That would still be cool. But there's also this other thing in the text that lends that 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 builds into her character more. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just like, don't I don't feel like it adds that much. I mean, just for me, like, again, it, it comes but down it's to still like, there. I <laughs> no, I know. I'm not arguing it's not there. Yeah. I'm saying I wish it wasn't. Mm. I wish that these little ties to like these little ties to kind of connect everything to Annalise in the game feel sloppy to me mm. um, from a like feel sloppy and unnecessary, like narratively and character development wise unnecessary. Mm. Um I know it's there. I'm not arguing that's not there. And like, I have to live with it. It's there. <laughs> um, I just, but, so, so, so much of the time we say like, oh, if it doesn't contradict what's what's in the text, then yeah, like that's the, you know, that, that that's yeah. there, you know, like it, it, it you know, that, that, then you can go with it. But like, it's, it's hard for me to ignore it. And I think that what it comes down to is just our individual preferences regarding like the idea of the Thumerians. I think we're both, we're, we're both against the, the, the execution. Yeah, 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 we agree on that, and and I'm not I'm not pretending it's not there from in terms of my headcanon. I'm just mm-hmm. wishing. Yeah, like this is this is just me. Uh, it's a wishing well, show and tell. Um, yeah. While uh, when you're talking about blood arts, uh, before we got in that distraction, I thought uh, Paul Blart blood arts. Uh, <laughs> that's that's something. I, I watched all the Paul Blart blood arts. Did you, um, did, you write, did you write anything else down? No, that was it. I was okay. just thinking about that movie, like Paul Blart blood arts. Um, <laughs> Yeah. oh <laughs> anyway i think we can also probably agree on the the end of this this dlc and this boss fight mm-hmm. so let's uh let's move to that and and again mike i'm really sorry for that <laughs> no it's yeah, it's I'm stuff that i've never really i i don't piece these things together like that so it's very interesting to listen to okay well i'm, I'm glad that it is okay for you i feel uh feel better for not including you you more in that but i, I hope it's okay um the the pathway to this boss is great yeah the um the um the non like these kind of worshiping, you know, uh, creatures down this tunnel kind of knelt over and worship. It reminded me of um, the the pathway to Nito's uh, boss fight. Yeah. Also, they'll die if you roll through them, so you yep. can just have a whole jamboree. So, so they, they 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 share one characteristic with pottery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least one. Well, snails are kind of like human pots. Human. Um, <laughs> Organic. Yeah. Snail people are like human pots. There we go. Is Pepper yeah. Potts? If, will she crumble if you roll through her? <laughs> Probably. She'll crumble if you break her heart. <laughs> it's, her one we- it's her one weakness. Also, she has bird bones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, so you head down to this beach. We're finally at the beach with the uh, the giant white beached thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get to see this little cutscene here, which is pretty amazing and awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we get this, uh, we get this uh, shot of this wilted thing on this small little cove, almost. Like, this is not, like, a full beach. It's not a coastline. It's like an inlet, almost. <laughs> and we haven't really commented on it, but the moon is, like, kind of shattered. There's this there's this shadow across it that kind of <laughs> has this spider web kind of feel. And from outside of this wilted white thing that looks like a big, gigantic snail, climbs this vaguely human body it looks like a like a really jacked adult dude <laughs> and he kind of like looks at the moon and then turn and turns and faces you and that begins the battle with the orphan of coast <laughs> Yes. 
um, which when he turns and faces you, he lets out this scream. <laughs> and the way that the Orphan of Coes, uh like emotes during the fight is one of my favorite things <laughs> about it. Because it's all, it's rage, like inhuman rage the yes. entire time. And it's, it's in the animations. It's in, uh, you know, the kind of like the posture and everything. Like it's, it's really this, this, this fury that, uh, <laughs> that we haven't like, we fought Maria, which is also a dual fight. There's like Maria, Maria is elegant, mm -hmm. you know, and, and kind of uh, choosing her moves. Whereas the orphan of cause looks like he's barely containing, you know, this fury and it's really really great he's um, batman and you're the gotham street tough <laughs> yeah yeah or <laughs> it's it's pretty it's yeah it's it's or, or he's wolverine and maria is batman um, <laughs> i suppose but about but i just mean like he's the orphan and to his mind you as the hunter you know oh, you, yeah. you, you fucking killed his mom yeah johnny midnight or whatever that guy. <laughs> john Jack Chill or Joe Jack, Chill. Jack Napier? Yeah, Joe Chill is the name of the guy who killed. Oh, uh, um, fuck. I wish I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's so um, yeah, um, but uh, but he kind of looks like a Resident Evil tyrant, um, except he oh, attacks yeah. with this uh, this scythe that is uh, kind of uh, kind of embedded in this bubbling placenta. Mm-hmm. Um, that is on the end of, I, I initially wanted to call it a chain and then a rope, but no, it's totally organic. It's a line. Yeah, it's like an umbilical cord. Yeah, so he's yeah. he's straight up Kratosing you with this thing. It's a uh, really interesting thing I read on on GameFAQs, and I can't give credit to it because I don't know where it's at. It was a weird random GameFAQs post, post. but uh, the idea being that he kind of fights and uses a scythe like German does. Yeah, yeah, I read that too. He saw German. You know, German is the person who showed up and started dissecting his his mom, mm -hmm. and kind of imprinted himself on that so this might not even be like a real this could be a greater organic creature kind of compressing itself into a, a human shape mm -hmm. which is something i'm always going to go for in fiction and um, and we see that like when he changes phases like yeah he bursts out like he transforms again like a resident evil enemy yeah like what he goes all one wing angel <laughs> yeah on this stuff and get yeah. those, like weird blood wings i love the first phase of this fight and i'm, I'm going to be curious uh, lobos to hear your take on this because to my yeah. mind as somebody who's not really good at reading the patterns of these things yeah. Like it feels like he's improvising. Um. So there's definitely there's definitely patterns to it, of course. Um, they keep making bosses more and more complex, so it seems like a lot of his stuff is erratic, um, and it really is. But uh, one of the things that I just love so much about the fight is, well, the animations are very good, and there's these got these really cool tactics probably my favorite tactic that i noticed was he'll do this series of attacks that kicks up a bunch of sand if you're on the mm. if you're on the, <laughs> the beach of course yeah and then he immediately charges through it so all you can see is the sand get kicked up and then the next thing you see is him charging through he pocket and, sands you uh, yeah yeah and and that delayed uppercut with that <laughs> that scythe you know gets you yeah. every time <laughs> the timing <laughs> on that is so impossible <laughs> It's pretty yeah, obnoxious. I, and and the nice thing is also, well, not the nice thing, but another <laughs> little detail is if you happen to dodge through it and you be, you're on the other side of him, he'll kind of like slump it down on, on the other opposite side. So it just kind of <laughs> does a little bit of damage, but it's kind of that little insult to injury. That's just, come on, I dodged that well. <laughs> um, this was a, a fight where uh, I started off trying to fight it like a Bloodborne fight and, um, you know, interrupt him and, and parry him and repost him. Um, but she responds to you like you can do that. You you can you can do that. I found his moves um 
pretty hard to read. Like when you say improvised, I think that's a good way to put it because he, you know, he moves really quickly. He has a wide variety of moves, and and I found the the parry window hard to find. So what ultimately ended up like, and this guy took me a bunch of tries, but what ultimately ended up doing it was me fighting him like similar to, to how I fought Maria, where I fought him like a Dark Souls boss and just dodged and attacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it took a while, but ultimately it was really. And I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to say my way of playing is better. It wasn't saying is more satisfying. It was very satisfying for me though. Uh, to kind of learn his patterns in an old school Dark Souls way mm-hmm. of like finding his hurt boxes, finding, you know, how many times like I had, you know, Artorias flashbacks similar to Maria where it's like, OK, this attack, he's going to do like three things. So yeah. I need to roll three times before I can get in, you know, kind of start attacking. Um, I guess he's super vulnerable to backstabs, but I never, never did it um, on him. It, It's tough. I mean, I had to do a lot of trial and error to figure out where his backstab windows were. Um mm-hmm. In the first phase, you can. It, it, I worked on it a lot, and you can you can parry him pretty easily from from safe distance too. As long as you have a pistol, um, mm-hmm. a lot of his wind up attacks. It's just kind of a weird muscle memory with the timing on it, and like as soon as he starts to like, he'll do a charge up, and then he'll do kind of like the double yo yo attack. And as, as soon as he starts to swing, if you if you shoot your pistol, like it'll connect with a parry most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. So. Timing, getting that timing down, and then just kind of figuring out how to deal with all of his other abilities. Next um, phase one, at least. Nice to stroll through. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... So we've seen a little bit of this duality, right? So if you consider like the main bosses of these areas, Ludwig, the Holy Blade, um, mm-hmm. going into Maria, and then into this, like it's a little bit like beast to duel, and then straight duel, one of the best duels in the game, um, if not the series. Um, and then duel to beast again. Mm-hmm. It's this yeah, awesome little gradient. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and and his second, um, I love those. Uh, and this is not really building on that, but just something I want to bring up is him throwing those little grenades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because those are, you know, he's not. He doesn't have pockets. But those, are, <laughs> those are definitely little like flesh sacks that he's pulling off of himself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's really disgusting them throwing these polyps. Yeah. Um, I just the, the the appearance. I don't know if it's because like this is showing a little bit of the upper limit of the of the technical graphical capability of the PS4 or their engine or what. But the way that the uh, the the bubbling texture on his scythe yeah. works. Oh yeah, just like just yeah. the that you have these little polyps that are uh, that are kind of clipping over each other looks super unsettling. Like in a way <laughs> that doesn't feel entirely like intentional mm-hmm. um, on their point, but it still works. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Orphan of Koss. <laughs> Except well, we didn't really talk about his second phase, which when you get him down to half health, like all bloodborne bosses, he goes yeah. one one winged angel and then he gets all of these very kind of uh, just from my like is devastating lightning attacks. Mm-hmm. Like the, he he goes full kin, even though he is he is not a kin type. The uh, right. the lightning attacks, yeah, are really tricky. Um because they come from the land out towards you um mm-hmm. you can kind of i kept having kind of flashbacks to or not flashbacks but was worried that it was going to be like the hydro fight and i couldn't go into the ocean but oh yeah um you can oh, yeah. you can go really far out into the ocean which is the trick to avoiding the lightning fights and that, that was definitely like a few deaths before i figured that out oh wow but you can you can yeah. fight him pretty far out into the water and then the lightning attacks spread out um to where they become pretty easy to dodge hmm. um if they're far enough away yeah so I mean that that was that took me a long time to learn, you know. But uh, ultimately, I figured that out. But yeah, they are they are a real bummer, and uh, yeah, and and he also spends a lot more time in kind of places where you can't like the windows to attack him in the second phase are reduced. Um, he spends a lot more time in the air 
mm-hmm. and kind of yeah. jumping over you and and jumping landing and throwing these these polyps and stuff. So you had to choose your attacks more carefully. Um, I still like yeah. the second phase of this fight a lot. Like I like I like this fight mm-hmm. overall quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but I could see it being more obnoxious if you were constantly getting hit by that lightning attack thing. Yeah. It is. I wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have stuck out for me as much if it uh, didn't one shot me. Yeah, as badly as it did. How did this fight change for you when you did this with a uh, fist only, Mike? Uh, I mean, I I'm not gonna say that I'm even good at phase two. Like, <laughs> I still, I there's still a lot of stuff that I just don't handle well in that fight. And when I was doing it with fist only, it was all about finding those backstab openings. As soon as he goes to phase two, if you time it right, right after his transition, you can get a free backstab right there. Um, if you time it right after he casts the lightning, like you can't, you can't backstab him while he's casting the lightning, but you have to like wait for the end of that animation. Boom, you can get a backstab there. And then just the rest of the time, kind of figure out where his hitboxes are and where, you, where he hesitates the most that you can mm-hmm. kind of dodge to his back and get him there. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to fight him with bare hands, which I'm glad I didn't have to, because I, you know, I was I was playing this. I played this all in one sitting, uh, the DLC. Oh wow! And and the um, I was it was pretty late. Like I, I you know, credits <laughs> rolled on on this guy. I beat this guy at like four thirty in the morning, and Holy I still shit. went back and fought Lawrence. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. I fought Lawrence the next day. So I I went up through Kaz in one day, um, and uh, it was it took a lot of tries. Like I found this really pretty challenging. Um, to do so the idea of doing it in a challenge mode would have been uh, is, is kind of unthinkable for me <laughs> um the uh but yeah it, it's super super good fight i'm glad that the game kind of caps off with this you know mm-hmm. um caps off with something that is this this strong as a fight um when you kill him um you know he dies and then this like <laughs> this spooky <laughs> spooky ghost this the spooky eco shadow man yeah yeah, sp- yeah spooky shadow boy one of the one of the bad guys from kingdom hearts shows up and hangs out on the body of cause mm-hmm. um and i was like what what like nothing happens other than this and i, I didn't notice it at first and i was like is that it like do i just go home now like what what is this yeah. um but you you kill the the spooky ghost mm-hmm. and that gets you the nightmare slain yeah so message. what i've read is that that is the sweet child of Kos. yeah yeah I had a friend uh, <laughs> who I, I was in bands with who used to always tell me like like you would you would troll me and be like yeah Gary I'm working on the song I want to hear what you have to think and he would just play that, that. <laughs> every time and it had worked every time because sometimes he'd actually play a real song but about I'd say like like two thirds of the time he'd just play the beginning of Sweet Child of Mine <laughs> it was really great um, but yeah so you kill that and that actually actually does it and you get this little narration at the end here Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna cut that in ah sweet child of course returned to the ocean a bottomless curse a bottomless sea accepting of all that there is and can be um and then that's that's the end oh when you get the uh the cause parasite yes um, as the uh, as an item here <laughs> so this is a companion to the milkweed rune um yes. that uh kind of finishes your transformation it's not very useful without that um, oh yeah it's, it's pretty bad yeah um but uh this turns you into the uh the liquidy zoidberg without its shell uh kind of <laughs> yeah. thing we were talking about earlier yeah broccoli boy yeah yeah uh, one interesting thing about the uh 
It costs Parasite. Without the Milkweed Rune, it does increase your fist damage. Mm. But I did not use that. Oh. <laughs> I didn't want to use that, but it, it's kind of interesting. Everybody was like, are you using the cost Parasite? I'm like, no. Oh. But <laughs> if you I ever want I to just... casually do a fist run, I don't know. <laughs> cost Parasite can increase your damage. If you want to take a cop out, yeah. A cost out. A cost out. Um, super cost. Yeah, <laughs> you do that in like the fist of Gradia, and do it do a fist run. Hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Um, um, the, uh, yeah. So something I love about this, and uh, that th this might take us into kind of final wrap up thoughts about the DLC. But um, this really kind of recontextualizes Maria's dialogue. A corpse should be left well enough alone. I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because you know how in Dark Souls Two we talk about the the fading ember. Mm -hmm. uh rune where it's like it that is the the mission statement like i've never seen an item description that that sums up the game you know like the, this world isn't it's a it's a dying ember but perhaps that's its <laughs> natural state yep um Ooh. this that is the line that sums up that's the bloodborne thesis line <laughs> like a, a corpse should be left well alone is is the that's bloodborne yeah like in a line like you <laughs> stop pursuing this shit <laughs> yeah or, or even uh even bradar's thing like undying uh undying torment awaits those who those who pry yeah like stop doing that and that's <laughs> it's such a it's such an elegant and underlined a thousand times version of the the lovecraft you know the the greatest you know thing in the human mind is the inability to correlate all its contents mm -hmm. you know quote um and it's such a, it's such a good expression of that like it's you know as a as a lovecraft game the the DLC and having that line in there is just like oh this is like is the best Lovecraft game like they get it <laughs> you know like they, they get it like that is these are the consequences and they're going to show you the consequences over and over and over and over um, of these people who are willing to do terrible things in pursuit of of knowledge or pursuit of transcendence or something and not just leaving well enough alone mm -hmm. you know should have left things alone <laughs> oh, dead dove inside yeah yep yep. It's a, it's such a good line though. It, it like I said, it is the it's the Bloodborne thesis line. <laughs> um, speaking of Maria's lines, uh, there's some new dialogue uh, from the doll when you come mm -hmm. back. Similar to after you defeat Maria, she talks about a weight being lifted um, and just. Uh, oh, good hunter! I can hear German sleeping. On any other night, he'd be restless, but on this night, he sounds so very calm. Perhaps something has eased his suffering. But the idea being, she, you know, this is the first time that Gehrman has slept um, in a long time. And perhaps this has eased his suffering a little bit. And we've heard that before. We've heard the uh, the, the evidence of his suffering. Yes, we, we've heard him whimpering in his sleep. Mm -hmm. um, we should probably just throw it together in a sentence in case it wasn't clear. Kind of mm -hmm. this idea that Gehrman went to the village, did terrible things to cause, and this curse... Um, is placed upon German, but also on the hunters. Yes. You know, so yeah. that's this guilt that he's been wrestling with. Um, how that necessarily, you know, he's not uh, in the hunter's nightmare. Mm -hmm. He's in the, the hunter's dream um, as a servant of the moon presence. How those two things interact, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's like he's under twin curses. Again, that weird yeah. way that I feel like the DLC <laughs> is narratively. <laughs> One comes from Bergenworth. That's the nightmare. The other one comes from uh, comes from the church. That's the dream. I don't actually believe that. I'm just throwing that out to be flipped. Yeah, I just, I just don't like it's if if he was the person and his descendants are the ones who are cursed. Mm -hmm. Is does that mean that the um, the moon presence is like his servitude of the moon presence is somehow part of this curse from cause? 
don't know. Um, there's nothing in the text to connect the moon presence and cause. <laughs> um, again, it's just like the DLC makes the main game feel sloppy in ways to me that, you know, or the story part of it mm-hmm. in the way it didn't. But this idea that like he did the sin, he feels guilty about it. You go through and kind of erase the sin and he sleeps better mm-hmm. is such a pat kind of story that, yeah. you know, works for me as like a, you know, especially coupled with with simon's kind of heartbreak about like oh this has been you know why should we do this forever mm-hmm. you know this has been going on for a long time yeah, yeah. Um, it really works and i'm glad that we were able to ease his suffering because as much as he's a shithead like it doesn't necessarily mean he deserves all the bad things that happened to him yeah and uh it's funny because hunters have so far been very associated with the church there's the there's the old workshop where they worked on their wares before kind of the the cathedral sprung up around it mm-hmm. um but uh kind of showing that this goes back to uh to the days of Bergenworth that there have always been there's always been this this kind of um class of enforcers mm-hmm. um that have kind of cropped up in Garman as the as kind of the progenitor because he was there for this first kind of sin the idea of like the hunters being etched into history um yeah. by this curse by this villager by the by the old ones themselves because of this one act it really it really kind of like reestablishes the central role of hunters um throughout all of this as it, mm-hmm. as it goes around and like kind of, uh, I don't know, like re raises the main character's role as a hunter. Um, yeah. Back to me, like your was like, Oh yeah, like this actually means something. And that's why everybody's afraid of me. And that's why it matters that I'm trying to, you know, atone for or correct this. A, a hunter is a proper noun. It's not just anybody who hunts. Right. You know, it, it, it means a specific thing in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, th- and that's really, that's the DLC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can go do that cleanup stuff, which I did, but then you just go and play the rest of the game. <laughs> if you haven't done it so far. Um, yeah, do we have like wrap up thoughts on this? Um, I'll go go to you first, uh, Mike. Um, did you did the DLC meet your, your expectations? How do you feel it stacks up with the, with the main game or with other Souls content? Um, like that. The DLC solidified Bloodborne as the as my favorite Soulsborne game. Absolutely, the um, fights with Ludwig, uh, that just the whole reveal on that, and like. I had the perfect uh, first experience with that boss fight. It was if a designer was watching that, they would just be giggling with glee because <laughs> I had the exact moments that they wanted. Um, and then just you know, I thought it was done at Maria, but then there's a whole area and Orphan of Costs, and I had not fought Lawrence by that point. So um, it just it was a phenomenal phenomenal amount of content that was you know above quality that I you know had come to expect. I would say. Or mm-hmm. typical soul stuff. You know, they keep every DLC of every Souls game I find to be the best content for that game. And it's yeah. no different with Bloodborne. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I from is, is is marking themselves as the best DLC people <laughs> in games. I think. Yeah, it's really good. Like with with I mean I'm not you know not exaggerating, like they're all home runs. Yeah. Like even even, yeah. you know, uh, Sunken King, which is probably my least favorite of the DLC things sure. they've done, mm-hmm. is still great. Yeah. Like it's yeah. still really, really good and and uh, you know, they they learn from the mistakes of the main game. Like they try to rectify things. They mm-hmm. actively try to make things, uh, you know, kind of address things. Like the DLC did everything I needed it to do. You know, like oh, there are more play styles, and and there are, <laughs> there are more build options, and it answers these kind of lore questions, and and focuses on things that that I found personally res, you know, kind of resonant, as opposed to concentrating on things that I, I didn't. And um, mm-hmm. you know, it just it 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 does everything I want a DLC to do. Like it's it's really up there for me yeah. um from it from is just amazing at that yeah. yeah i i need to give one more shout out um just to the music the soundtrack <laughs> because <laughs> i'm i'm constantly blown away by their continued excellence in soundtrack choices and 
composition. I play my games now, all my Souls games, with like the sliders, like sound effects at like five, dialogue at seven, and then mu- uh, music <laughs> at like nine or ten because that that makes the experience sometimes. Hmm. Uh, yeah. For yeah. me, anyways. No, the DLC music definitely steps it up. We've had mm-hmm. some, you know, we, we've been kind of lukewarm on the main body of the of the game's music, but uh, the DLC, holy crap! Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good, and and it just like that sense of you know, it's the thing we try to emulate in the edits is that sense of bombast when you when a boss fight starts, mm-hmm. yeah. and you know the music like it's just it it does it does add a lot. It's super additive. Yeah, to that. How how about you, Cole? You got to wrap up? Yeah. Um. So because I'm not good at video games, I don't really want to speak too much to the to, to the mechanical things. I feel like a little bit of the build stuff might have been just kind of like too little, too late, especially with how far into the game they put that. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like uh for for like a new build to be really viable, it needs to be kind of available earlier than that. And I understand you know there might be a get good factor to that, but I'll focus on kind of the lore thing, and I'll say this has been incredibly satisfying for me. Um, because it answers questions that I didn't know I wanted uh, answered. Um, these mm. are these are ends that I didn't know were loose, and it puts them together so well in such a you know wonderfully self-contained story um, that still has implications for everything else that we've seen kind of afterward. Um, the hunters, I think, were a little bit of a footnote or a side note um, in the in the main game. Like there were this omnipresent thing that just kind of was there, you know, in the margins a little bit. And this idea that it's going to take their role and bring it to the fore and kind of show you where they've rested with these key figures, with Garman, with Maria, um, you know, th- throughout kind of the history from this original sin that really implicates them, you know, to the present day presented in reverse order. I really have to like just marvel at the inventiveness of that choice to have you mm-hmm. like traveling into the heart of this history. Um, it's a, it's, it's a great way to reveal those things that I don't know that I've seen done as like as explicitly and as intentionally as they've done right now like the the you know the uh prepare to die like the oratoricity of the abyss stuff you're kind of going back um in time a little bit and you're seeing kind of a little bit of the heart of the abyss which was kind of again a footnote but still it has these big implications i feel like that's what this is for this and to liken this to the artorias of the abyss dlc is as big of a compliment i think i can give mm-hmm. <laughs> you know um if- yeah, like it feels um it feels similar to me in in stature or kind mm-hmm. of um quality. But like where Artorius when you when you said like it answered questions you didn't know you asked, like I feel like that too, where it's like the Artorius of the Abyss feels like it it squared the circle, right? Mm-hmm. Like Artorius of the Abyss answered questions that were necessary to understand mm-hmm. Dark Souls One. This feels like it answers questions that, you know, were were footnotes or we didn't know were important. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like I had like I don't feel like some of the stuff I don't feel like I have a better understanding of mm-hmm. with the with the DLC. Like there are still parts from the main game where like, you know, we spend all the time talking about the ending mm-hmm. thing and we have our interpretations of it, but a lot of that is based on kind of headcanon and, and gut feel mm-hmm. as opposed to uh, you know, like the moon presence is still not an explicitly laid out thing. Right. You know, there there are lots of things that it could have done to actually mm-hmm. be the Artorias of the Abyss. What this did was something different where it, it kind of took the places in the main game where there was the most spot for kind of interesting expansion mm-hmm. and it felt like it was invented upon that. Yeah. You know, like, like it, it was it, like it, it productively camped there. Yeah. And on, on the margins of, of things that like were footnotes and worked as footnotes, mm-hmm. but like, what if they were really cool? And the yeah. thing I keep saying, and, and you know, is that it feels like an alternate explanation for things like it doesn't have to, mm-hmm. you know, but that's, I think that's part of the reason why it does to me. 
is because it is stuff that was not it's not answering questions that we needed to know. Right. It's giving of. it's giving more texture and dimension to this. Again, yeah. you know, I'm I'm going to love like ever since Dark Souls 2 and even Dark Souls 1 did this, but like the idea of this being a collection of short stories about yeah. these different characters, like any of the people in any of the factions that we've seen could be the center of their own thing, but this is just this crazy tapestry. This is a a stained glass window that we would, that we would see in a cathedral that's built 500 years after this. And, yeah. and it just happens to be my favorite story. Like out of all the <laughs> yep. short stories, like this is my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. I think this is this is the coolest, the coolest thing that happened. And the you know the thing with Maria and the idea of like German making this doll afterwards and stuff like that's the mm-hmm. coolest kind of through line mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, um, yeah, I love it. It's it's it because I you know I, I've talked about it throughout the whole season. Like, um, and like you like I like Bloodborne a lot. Like I really love Bloodborne, Bloodborne, but it's not my favorite in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I. Uh, but this made me like it a lot more because this, I mean, feels like it showed me like Bloodborne at its best. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is Bloodborne at its best. And it's good that it goes out on that note yeah. for me. Like as we, you know, get done covering it with this this game that we spent a long, you know, since what? The, the, the longest, it's the longest season we've done chronologically. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> we spent a lot of time, on, you know, just, and I've spent like just kind of living and breathing this game. And like, <laughs> I'm really glad that I'm able to go out on a note that's so high. Yeah. That like speaks yeah. to me so much. So yeah yeah love it and that's bloodborne yeah mm-hmm. super good seven out of ten <laughs> recommended on sale yeah um, i would i would, rec- I would rec- recommend talking about it for just shy of a year um yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um so so uh where can people find you lobos uh on youtube you can find me uh lobos jr gaming lobos jr gaming or twitch.tv slash lobos jr yeah this is this is the first time we've had you on since you started doing that full time i think and uh, uh, or I believe it started. is. Yeah, I think Dark Souls Two, uh, Hades Tower was last time. Yeah, yeah, um, that, that was yeah. some time ago. Yeah, and then I'm glad that's going well for you. Yeah, like, it is. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's been awesome. Had a, so much support, and you know, couldn't do it without these amazing games that from <laughs> software keeps delivering to us. Yeah, you, do, you. I mean, you deserve it. So it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is. It's awesome that you're able to do that. We've had a little bit of music there in the break uh, as since we let Mike go. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. man, so <laughs> we're so grateful for Lobos's time. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's one of my favorite guests we have. Uh, um, and it is a crazy, super nice guy. And mm-hmm. it's just, uh, it is uh, like bringing something to, to the show like that we don't, uh, you know, because we, we have people who are good at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think you could probably make the argument that he's like, probably the best at the game yeah he's, um, he's he's somebody who has kind of turned it into a craft i feel yeah. like and and to have the person who is maybe the best at the game be so generous with her time um is, is really excellent so yeah um again you know highest recommendation from us and and we you know we bring it up all the time but yeah. just bringing it up again mm-hmm. because it's still true um <laughs> so that's bloodborne yeah we're done with Bloodborne. That's so um, weird to think because like, we mentioned it, but like this is the, lo- the longest we've talked about a game. Yeah. This is, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, like you look at something like the Demon Souls season and that was so spelt. 
<laughs> the, the, you know, the the Dark Souls season and the Demon Soul season together are not as yeah. much as this one was. Yeah, they're like so quick, and and this is <laughs> this is just we've really camped out and taken our time. Um, I can't like I mean I've, we talked about it in the last one. I don't need to do a whole new thing of wrap up. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the chance to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it is going to be weird to move on. I do you know I love this game, but I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to tackling other stuff. I thought about that when I was putting the notes together. Actually, <laughs> yeah. like it's just going to be cool to 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 move on and do other stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait for Dark Souls 3. I also, but I love these interstitial seasons, which are like, it's the, the little pieces of ginger, you know, pickled <laughs> ginger between the, the sushi. Yeah. Uh, literally, in this case. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to camp out on that sushi notion here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what are, let's talk about the off season. Let's kind of ping pong yeah. and talk about what we're doing. And we're going to lay out the whole off season so people can, if they want to experience along, they can. Yes. So this is going to be several episodes uh, where we've got 10 weeks to cover. Um, but uh, the what would be the theming of this if we had to call uh, if we have to come with a theming like it's kind of like dark fishness <laughs> I don't know like so it's I, I would call this like this is our uh, kind of uh, so after boot camp uh, what you have to do is you have to like go and take a course that gets you reintegrated into society like they mm-hmm. reteach you how to like balance a checkbook like it's skills for living Right. I mm-hmm. think that this is our like this is the multi-stage parachute from Bloodborne back into thinking about Dark Souls. Yeah. Is is yeah. Is, is how I'd say this. And I would actually write that all out and call the season that on the site. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In addition to, but specifically focusing on a lot of Bloodborne stuff. Like this <laughs> this to me, when I look at the what we're covering, it's like with a couple exceptions, it's like the terror of Souls <laughs> games. Yes. Like this, we're covering the horror aspect. Uh, for this off season. So uh, first episode that we're coming up, we're doing one episode. No, we'll call out when there's an appendix mm-hmm. um, on uh, two things. Um, the Shadow of Rinsmith, mm-hmm. the H.P. Lovecraft novella and Uzumaki, uh, the uh, uh, Ito. Yes, the um, Junji Ito manga, uh, manga uh, yes. series collection. It's it's very um, uh, it's not very costly on mm-hmm. uh, on Amazon. If you choose to buy it there and use the link at the tip jar, uh, we would ask you kindly to do that. Um, it's like less than $20. And uh, even though it looks intimidating, it's like 700 pages. I got through it in like two evenings, like two very time constrained. I'm also recording and playing games for the show evenings. Yes, it's it moves really quick. It's also excellent. Yep. Um, it is. It has. A, and this is me like you know, stand back when I'm recommending a manga. Like <laughs> that means something because I don't like that stuff. And yeah. For the most part, it's like Berserk and this, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, but th- this is this is incredible. I'll say this so. between Berserk and this. I am totally willing to take manga recommendations. I'm I'm t- willing to take re- manga recommendation manga recommendations from people who know that I like Berserk and this. <laughs> yep, uh, that's and I don't suppose, like I suppose other that's stuff. what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. But it's if you like... think because based on that, like, hey, you might like this based on what you like, then I'm, I'm willing to listen. <laughs> yeah. Um, because this is excellent. And uh, mm-hmm. we're going to cover this for obvious reasons. Um, and by obvious, I mean it's a. Uh, Haunted fish villages. Yeah, they're, they're, they are both uh, about seaside towns that have some horrible evil visited upon them. Yes. Yeah. Um, after that, uh, or go ahead, you take it. Yeah, so after that, we're going to be doing two episodes and an appendix on Shadow Tower. Now, this is a PlayStation era uh, kind of follow-up uh, spiritual, spiritual successor slash side series to uh, Kingsfield. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, kind of uh, feels very soulsy. Like I've started playing it, and even though I am very bad at fighting, as you are want to be at the very at the very beginning of these, um, it definitely uh, takes uh, and leans into the horror side of things a little bit more than Kingsfield does. Yes, this is supposed to be kind of the bridge series between Kingsfield and Souls in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I started playing it. I uh, I got a PSP Vita or a PS Vita. <laughs> yep. And um, had the controls mapped, 
but my right analog stick is fucked up. Oh no! And, and lilts uh, oh, to a direction. Re- so return I need that fig- shit. Yeah, that's what, and that's what I'm trying to do. I bought it from Woot. Like oh. it was new, but it was from Woot. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out the return policy on that. And there's all these guides online for like replacing it, but I don't want to open it up. And no, no, you bought stick. a new thing. Like talk to Woot. Yeah, like- yeah, I'm, I'm talking to him. <laughs> like we just said that, like it's like my uncle or something like that. Like, <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like no, no, no it, that, that's for everybody. Like don't don't yeah. take that shit if somebody sells you something bunk. Like <laughs> no, I, I don't I don't want to take that shit. But I'm also like, what if you know to replace it? It's weeks, and then I don't get a chance to. Yeah, so maybe yeah. I'll I'll try remapping it and just play it on my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought it now. I have it on just regular PlayStation as well. Yep. But what I want, I want that second analog stick so I can remap the controls <laughs> yep. to make it playable. Yeah, to make it into um, a, I did that uh, tonight, actually, before we recorded. I set it to be a, like a twin stick shooter. Yeah, it needs it needs to play like that because I can already see it being good, but that needs to happen. Yep. Um, but we're doing two episodes. We're do, are doing an appendix. So if you have thoughts about Shadow Tower, lay mm-hmm. them on us. Yeah. Um, after that, we're doing a movie night or a, mm-hmm. a, a, a kind of or like another book and movie mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing where we're doing another Lovecraft special mm-hmm. because uh, kind of by a popular demand um we're doing uh, at the mountains of madness mm-hmm. which is uh, the hp lovecraft story um and the uh, movie that was inspired by the thing mm-hmm. um or the movie that it inspired rather yes and uh yeah so somebody yeah. specifically said like hey i'd love to hear you guys talk about the thing yeah. and i would <laughs> thought that's like one of my favorite horror movies of all time yeah. maybe my favorite <laughs> yeah. i'm down to talk about the thing this was another thing that came out of the uh, uh along with the r zone zone rest god rest its soul um uh, <laughs> that came the, the ronaldo and philippe um <laughs> that uh that, that came out of the uh the the ohio meetup somebody was like oh you should totally do that and then on the fly we pitched the idea of doing a double feature a creature yeah. feature uh between yes. those two uh so and, we're specifically talking about the uh the 80s john carpenter version yes and and the way that ties in is that they are both about uh, kind of pursuit of hidden uh, forbidden knowledge mm-hmm. leading to ruin, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, am I excited to talk about the thing! <laughs> it's great. After that, we're going to uh, kind of take a dip into uh, some modern indie stuff with Titan Souls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. uh, this is a uh, a game that originally was I want to say you could play it online. It yeah, it was like a flash game. kind of thing. It was part of yeah. a game jam. Yep, I played it as the Flash version, and it's kind of uh, what it takes from the Souls series is this emphasis on boss encounters. Um, the gameplay, me- you know, the mechanics are really different. Um, in a perfect world, Salt and Sanctuary would be out, and we could, <laughs> you know, spend some time covering something that is more directly inspired. But we'll find some connections there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it's a it's a fun game. Yeah, that'll be one episode. The appendix will be kind of rolled in because it is kind of breezy. Like it's, it's mostly it's mostly a couple of a couple. It's it's all boss encounters, but with a lot of atmosphere. Yes. Yeah. So it's got it's uh, it is we'll find some connections, but it's not explicitly an influence. Right. So it's not going to be like we're going to call out like, oh, this is where, <laughs> you know, Miyazaki got the idea for this. Yeah. You know, it's it, that's uh, not the case. The fact that it came out chronologically afterwards. <laughs> yes. It's going to be like a watch out for fireballs episode a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we're going to do an episode on uh, two things. Um, one, uh, as people who listen to this probably know, I wrote a book um, that is souls inspired in a lot of ways uh, called Souls of Darkness. Um, so I want to have a chance to talk about that a little bit. I feel weird about it. If you think that that's egotistical and, and strange that I'm doing that, like, hey, I'm sympathetic to that attitude. But the thing I thought about was that if I hadn't done it, if there was just a Dark Souls podcast and this book came out, they would probably talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody else wrote this, we'd probably do it during our off season. So it's not going to be going through the book chronologically, uh, but we're going to talk about it a little bit. And uh, Nick, Daniel, who's the artist, is going to be on that episode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to talk also about Labyrinth which is uh, the Jim Henson movie featuring the late David Bowie, part of our season-long tribute to David Bowie that we're doing across the <laughs> network kind of on accident. Um, and uh, that being uh, one, uh, parts of the chalices really remind me of Labyrinth. 
and two, uh, the book Souls of Darkness is kind of the midpoint between Dark Souls and Labyrinth. So mm. if those two things have a Venn diagram, it's the book. Yeah. Because uh, it is equal parts. Mm. Um, so that'll be a breezy episode. Again, not an appendix on that. And if the self-promotion aspect of that grosses you out, uh, I apologize. Um, but I promise it won't be gross. All right. And then after that, we're doing Cole's something... Cole's not convinced, but I promise you, Cole, as well, <laughs> that it won't be gross. I'm not sure who you're talking to with, like, you, the, 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 no, the, the user involved. No, I know. I just what, just... I, what I don't want to turn into is, like, me interviewing you about this thing you, you wrote. No, no. Yeah. It's, like, that's not, that's not the idea. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. going to talk about, like, some soul stuff that came from it and talk mm-hmm. to Nick about it because I haven't gotten a chance to, like, chat with Nick about stuff. Mm-hmm. But mostly it's going to be Labyrinth stuff. Cool. Um, And then after that, we've got the thing that I'm most excited about for this, actually, uh, which is Shadow Tower Abyss. So we're just going to knock out the entire Shadow Tower series in the uh, in this Mm offseason. And uh, this is one we do not encourage piracy. However, there is no English version of it. Uh, You have to uh, get a fan translation patch in order to play it because it never came out in an English speaking territory. Um, And uh, this has like really, really direct ties to uh mm-hmm. to demon souls specifically um and then inroads into dark souls from demons yes so i mean that is kind of us encouraging piracy in this one case yeah like if you can't play it legally mm-hmm. uh, you know that that's kind of a gray area because I, I i would feel terrible <laughs> so i feel terrible taking this game but I, I also would feel like we would be remiss in not talking about this kind of direct progenitor to a lot yeah. of the ideas yeah it's 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 not ideal i Boy, do I wish there was a way just to, to buy it. Mm-hmm. There's just not. Um, so, so this is this is where we're, that's the world we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah. our job to live in, in it. In this in this instance, our editorial integrity is outweighing the uh, integrity of everything else. Yes, our yeah. regular integrity. Yes, integrity classic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's the off season. Yeah. Um, you know, again, you can write in about any of those things. They'll probably be rolled into various appendixes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's what you have to look forward to. Um, if you want to support the show. Uh, you can support us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably the most direct way. We also mentioned the tip jar earlier. If you uh, go to duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar, you can make any of your purchases through Amazon and we get a hefty cut of that. Yeah, that it's goes roughly a... 80%. <laughs> uh, yeah. 99%. I'm not yeah. sure how that, like, the, yeah. you'd think they would close that, but yeah. Amazon's a big nope. company. We're in a blind spot. No, yeah. <laughs> it Lost goes meter. everybody who takes a uh, that, that, that extra step, you go a long way towards helping kind of cover the base expenses. Um, mm-hmm. for us it's uh it's, yep. it's great we really appreciate it uh there's another thing that is kind of a new development that i uh that, that is like as of yesterday after several trips and dealing with uh um terrible bureaucracy there's a post office box oh hey yeah yeah so on the road towards becoming a legitimate like business that we want to have i want to have a place for people to send stuff that is not my actual address where you can come and slit my throat because yeah. i disagree because <laughs> yeah. i disagree with you about social justice yeah uh, <laughs> Just find a place to send your pubes because you didn't like that I said that uh, you know the fishing village was kind of like manipulating Appalachian poor people. Yep. So please send your pubes to this PO box. It's, the P in that stands for pubes. Yep for the for the so, pube odor box. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> either either Cole Ross or Duckfeed.tv, uh, PO box two seven one zero five Cincinnati Ohio four five two two seven. Indeed. So yeah, that's that's great. I didn't know you were doing that. Yep. No, it's uh, it is it, it is purely a like, hmm, we need something on official paperwork kind of thing. Yes. So, yep. Yeah. And also like, if you want to send letters or you know postcards and stuff like that, uh, we will uh, mention those on the show. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you can also do ratings, reviews, all that stuff. Thank you for sticking by us through the Bloodborne season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and thanks. Uh, it's always 
kind of a, a odd feeling to wrap up a season <laughs> on a game but um thank you guys yeah and uh yeah we're really looking forward to joining you for the appendix season um i know that not everybody likes the in-between seasons quite as much so if mm-hmm. not uh, we'll see you back here for dark souls 3 but hopefully you come back for the off season as well yeah and um, uh, yeah. uh, we hope that you're as enthusiastic about some of these extra uh, kind of kind of topics as mm-hmm. we are, because um, I'm I'm super excited about going into this, even though it is going to be a lot of recording. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's gonna. This is gonna be a harrowing couple of uh, months. <laughs> couple of months. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think that's probably it, right? Yeah. Um, so until next time, let the pungence of coast cling like a mother's devotion. Corpse should be left well alone. <laughs> Umbasa. Umbasa. We all pray that we will have far more soon. Um, that was a fucking marathon of a recording sesh. Yeah, as long for, <laughs> for this game or for this show. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, thank you for bearing with the technical stuff. Uh, no we're going to speak again tomorrow. What time? Uh, can it be seven or sorry, can it be four year time as opposed to three? Yes. I might want a little bit more time to take care of other stuff because usually my night ends after the recordings, whatever time we record. So I want to give myself some pre, some pre-show time. Yeah. Um, I have have something going on at nine, but not until then. So at nine o'clock your time. Yes. Oh, fuck me. If we go, if if we go to midnight, Jesus, I I, I can do, I can do a quick five hours. (laughs) A quick five hour hour sesh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure that game has enough lore and and stuff to No, It's uh, a, it's actually a very scamp. Uh, Yes. Uh, I think I think it'll be a quick. Yep. Yep. Cool, man. All right. Have a good night. All right. Cool. You too. Later. All right. Bye. Bye.